Happy Saturday. Today, I'm excited to welcome you to episode 34 of Saturday Conversations. Today's episode, I pray we feel with encouragement and inspiration in Jesus' mighty name. Today, I had to bring on a guest that I met not too long ago, but I love how God is using her to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So without further ado, please help me welcome to the conversation, Grace Davis. Grace, what's up? <laughs> how you doing? Hey, Edward, how are you? I'm good. Awesome. So before we even get into the topic, please introduce yourself to people who don't know you. Yes, my name is Grace Davis. Hi, everyone. I was born and raised in Chicago. I am a Christian. And I love Jesus. And that's about it. I'm excited for the conversation. That was so short. How long have you been following <laughs> Jesus? Um, I got saved... 2018. So what was that journey like? The journey was very, my God, it was mind blowing. It was amazing. Um, I literally came from a background of spirituality and not um, believing in Jesus. I didn't believe in Jesus at all. Um, and I would tell people you can pay me to believe in Jesus. Um, I grew up in a family of Christians but um, I did not believe that the church or Jesus operated with power or strength. And so I seeked strength from other spiritual outlets. And um, I found results in those outlets. And um, the Holy Spirit just tugged on me and was revealing to me more and more how real he was by how resistant I was and not believing in him. Wow. So what are the spiritual? Was it like new age? Because I, um, I've i heard of new age. Was it new age? Was it something else? What yeah, is- you know, <laughs> that's so funny. You say new age. A lot of people say new age. I think it may be may have been new age with me being, say, 2018. I'm not exactly sure what new age is. So what can you elaborate on it? Well, new age is not really a new thing. It's like been around since the 60s. Right. Was like you know with the chakras and let's pray yes. to the universe and let's look at the horoscopes and all this other stuff. So that's really new age and like one of the philosophy of new age is that there's really no concept of sin. You just do whatever makes you happy as long as you don't harm anyone else. That's pretty much like the. I don't really I don't practice new age, but that's what I got the premise of what new age is. Yeah, I would say some bits and pieces of there. Definitely the chakras. Definitely you know. Um, voodoo uh black magic wizardry uh witchcraft different things like that most definitely um so i guess it will be what the church proclaims as new age yes yeah so it's also new age but then um i've heard of voodoo my parents are from nigeria so i've heard of voodoo black magic all those things so i don't believe new age um dabbles in the voodoo area but all, all of it leads to the same thing is the, the devil yes. <laughs> and yes. you know all that stuff will lead you to hell so yes. that's glad to have this conversation with you let's just get into the topic we're going to talk more but let's get into the topic y'all see the title y'all see the thumbnail you already know what we're talking about we're talking about winning souls for the kingdom what yeah. i realize grace is life is so short James says what is like our life is like a vapor of smoke. It's here one day, the next day is gone. But we don't have, since our life is so short, we don't have time to be playing games with our eternity. We don't have time to be playing games with other people's eternities. Jesus 
has appointed his followers, me and you, Grace, and everyone watching who says Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, to go out to the world and make disciples. Not to go out to the world and make people follow you. Because what happens is we try to we try to make it big, and instead of us following, instead of us making people follow Jesus, we have people follow us. But the thing is, when you follow a person, if they fall off a cliff, then you're gonna fall off the cliff. That's the part. <laughs> that's what that part. That part. Yes. And that's what, what does Paul say? Paul say, follow me as I follow Christ, not yeah. follow me as I, you know, do whatever I want to do. So we got to make sure that we're following Jesus. This is so important because even though our life on earth is so short, what we do here determines where and how we will spend our eternity. Proverbs yeah. chapter 11, verse 30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise so i go through this conversation is to show you the importance of winning souls for jesus and how to navigate this whole process so grace my first question to you is how was your upbringing yes um my upbringing first what you everything you said it was just so on point the scriptures aligned everything i loved it um i just have to say that but my upbringing it was, um, I would say I had a great upbringing, you know, growing up on the south side of Chicago, I grew up on 80th and Wentworth, which is basically West Chatham. Um, I, I'm the only child on my mom and my dad's side. And so I don't have any other siblings, but I've always had cousins around. I've always had a house full of family. My mom, me, my grandmother, my grandfather, and my um, uncles in rotation, I have multiple uncles living under the same roof. So I would say my childhood was good. Um, but if I, I feel like if a Christian saw my childhood on the outside, they would say, wow, that was, you know, pretty, pretty wild. You know, some things that was going on in the household. But I would say growing up where I grew up, it was good. You know, I didn't see any drug trafficking in my household. I didn't see any raiding in my household where my mother, when she was young, she experienced her home getting raided from my grandfather selling drugs and things like that. So for me, I had the best of what my family learned to produce in a family. And so it was some not great words said in my household. And it was a, a, a normal thing. Uh, I would say, I don't know how to phrase it, but you know, um, improper speech, inappropriate things said to each other was definitely a normal thing in my household. And it wasn't shunned upon. It wasn't looked at as bad. It was just how we live life. You know, like how a young, you know, you hear um, in the world before I got saved, you hear a girl saying, hey, B, and they actually are referring to each other to a female dog. So stuff like that. I grew up in a household where that is just, it was how we show love. It was how we show comfort, calling each other, you know, a garden tool, which you can guess what word that is, right? That's how we express love. And so I had a great childhood in my opinion, but I know better now what to have for my children and the dialect of the conversations to have and to make sure we're more whole and healthy than even how I grew up, just even better. I know better now. Oh, that is so good. So my follow-up question is, how do you plan to break those generational cycles? 
Because sometimes the generational cycles can be so ingrained in us and we just is the second nature to us. So what are some plans that you're going to like? I'm, it ends with me. These cur the generational curses, the generational cycles ends with me. So do you have any plans in place? Have you already started breaking them? Um, this, yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, that is a beautiful question. I love that because um, I think it's important. I feel like, you know, the church always talks about breaking generational curses, but then you have a lot of patterns that get reintroduced and they just spiral through the children and the next generation, the next generation. And I, I believe when I came to Christ in 2018, I didn't come to play. I came for real. And so my life got transformed, not in a way where I was converted to religion, but I was converted to live a lifestyle according to the word of God. And so where I grew up in a household of religious Christians, I was converted to be a spiritual Christian because I came from the spiritual realm teachings. I was already into this. I dedicated my life to the spiritual realm back in 2015. So by the time 2018 came and Jesus introduced himself to me, I dedicated my entire life to Jesus and he lives his life a certain way as we read and he holds us to a higher standard of living. And he holds us accountable and we are supposed to be people of integrity. So when you have conviction, holy conviction, you, I, can, I guess I could say I've already been on that track of healing generational curses. I used to curse all the time, like how I've been talking for, I don't know, two minutes and I haven't cursed. Baby, bye. If this was 2017 or older, I could not say a full sentence without cursing. And it wasn't like. I was disrespectful. It was just my speech. It was it was a part of my genetic makeup. It was in my DNA. It's it's who I was. It's how I was raised. And so God really cleaned me up in a lot of ways and I'm grateful for it. And so I know now not to curse in the household with my children. I know not to curse at my spouse, you know, not to lash out no matter how bad I'm feeling. I know to go to the Holy Spirit rather than tear them down with words or have them tear me down with words. You know, I feel like it's already in the works. <laughs> that is so good. So I want to key in on something you said. You said that you didn't go into religion. You went into relation with Jesus. Yes. To go back to what you said before, you saw Jesus. You saw the church like there was no power. That's what religion does. Religion will take something that's so powerful and redraw, redraw all the power from it. And yes. will only produce more graves. That's what religion does. He, <laughs> it has produced more grades and more grades. And that's why people I see or what I've heard is that people are leaving the church and go to other spiritual aspects or spirituality because they, there's no power in the church. Wow. Wow. And like what we talked about, what we talked about offline is like how I believe the whole the world is in a circle. I believe that we're entering back into the church of Acts that now we're gonna we're gonna see people get healed. We're gonna see people raised from the dead. We're gonna see people who are drug dealers, who, who are practicing witchcraft, who are um, gangbanging, who are like prostitutes. I, we're gonna see all of them come back to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But yeah. but the thing is the church cannot be the people who reject them away. Because yes. if you reject them, they're gonna find somewhere else to go. They're gonna find the witchcraft. They're gonna find the chakras. They're gonna find all this other stuff that's gonna accept them because what they wanna do is just use them. Yeah. But we just got to realize that as believers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, our job is to welcome them with open hands, have them go through their process, and allow the Holy Spirit to convict them. Because what happens is 
after you're saved for a long time, we think it's our job to condemn people. Like, oh, you oh, you cuss, oh, you got drunk, you slept with that person who's not your spouse, you're going to hell. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. Yes. <laughs> people, let us pray for our younger brothers and sisters in faith. But too, we're too busy trying to, hey, oh, their sin is worse than my sin, even though all the sins are the same thing. All of us have fallen short. Of yeah. the glory of God, so we need to make sure that we go there and say, like, "Hey, I know you messed up, but hey, I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to lift you up in prayer. If you need me to fast for you, I'm going to fast for you. But we need to get out of this whole thing like I'm better than you or you're worse than me. We got to say, like, "Hey, we're all sinners saved yes. by grace through faith." Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, I think that's so true, and I believe in everything you just said. Bravo, bravo, because. It's so needed. And what you said should be said on a bullhorn around the masses. Like everybody should hear that. Unbelievers, believers, sinners, saints, whatever you want to call yourself. Everyone should hear what you just said because it's so pivotal. Oh, I would never be where I am now if it wasn't for Jesus' love and compassion on my life. So yeah, I agree with you. You shouldn't condemn people that are sinners and that aren't where you are. Yeah. That's so good. Anything you want to add to your upbringing? Um, nothing much, really. I was pretty simple girl, you know, only child, grew around my family. Um, it was an awesome upbringing. I mean, it was awesome for me, you know, for what I can deal with, what I can intake. Everyone probably could not deal with what I dealt with, you know, growing up. But to me, it was beautiful. I felt like I had love surrounding me you know I had so much love and compassion I had people that would fight for me at a drop of a hat you know hood ghetto crazy ratchet you know so that's just my family and very loving very uh studious very you know intuitive people um I I I appreciate where I came from I really do that's that's amazing so let's let's backtrack to before you knew Jesus so BC you so you said you dabble into spirituality so Mm -hmm. what what are some things did you do tarot cards did you what are some things you 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 dabbled in if you don't mind sharing yeah I would say a lot of things you know um a lot of things you know along with spirituality being into the wrong spirits I also was very highly addicted to a lot of things you know I did drugs you know, smoked weed. I was, I would get blacked out drunk every weekend. I stayed in a club. I stayed, you know, half naked. My shirts did not come past a certain point. And so I lived my life in a very worldly way. And so any worldly way you can imagine is how I live my life. So yeah, I've kind of done and dabbled in a lot of things. Even if I didn't do the tarot cards per se myself, um, I had friends and best friends and people houses I would go to and spend a night and they would do them you know they were into those things so I've been exposed and introduced to a lot um and so I feel like you know birds of a feather flock together I think that's very true and I feel like whoever you link elbows with in the spirit is who you become you know that thing of saying you know becoming one flesh I don't believe it's just with um, between a marriage couple, I believe that's also in friendships, relationships, um, mentorships, whoever you link with in the spirit is a part of who you are. And so 
I've had a lot of things attached to me before I got saved. Anything else you want to add? Um, anything else I could add about that? Uh, I mean, I'd be, we'd be sitting here talking all day. <laughs> we'd be talking all day if I did uh, got into that. But yeah, I just would say worldliness for the mo most part is what I was really into. Everything you could think of, like from addicted to sex, pornography, drugs, all type of, you know, summoning spirits, invoking spirits um having friends that were witches and warlocks i used to call myself uh, a good witch which there's no such thing as um a lot of things so yeah that's about right to, it um, wiccan is that what it's called yeah some people call it a wiccan i almost read the satanic bible um i was very close to reading it i was a part of like a facebook group where they would you know bash jesus and talk bad about jesus and say um, like, oh, the Bible isn't real. You should read the Satanic Bible because it actually has really good moral values and standards in the Bible, um, in the Satanic Bible, and how uh, the teaching of the Satanic Bible was more accepting of everybody, everybody, you know, accepting of gays and everybody, which Jesus accepts everybody too, but it's it was more in a worldly standpoint, not a holy standpoint, you know. Wow, that's that is that is wow. <laughs> that is amazing that you have all this you have all this knowledge of, of your previous life, but now because it, it just it baffles me how people can say Jesus is not real, but the only figure that's attacked time after time after time again is Jesus. They yes. don't attack Buddha, they don't attack Muhammad, they don't they don't they don't attack um the Hindu gods, they just attack Jesus. And it's yeah. funny because like demons don't come out at the name of Buddha. <laughs> Demons don't come out at the name of Vishnu. Demons okay. Jesus. Yes. So we just need to realize that there's there's power there's power behind the name. Jesus. Yes. Power behind the person who has the name. Yes. So is it? Is yeah, it and I felt like um, I didn't know that for myself. I personally didn't know that Jesus had power to his name. You know, especially um, when I had went through a time where I had. Um, even like wasn't people that I was friends with, but you know, birds of a feather flock together. So um, when I had voodoo done on me, somebody put uh, multiple spells on me. I've had multiple spells done on me multiple times. Wasn't by people that knew me, it was by coworkers. And they felt led to do it out of jealousy, but they didn't know that I was into spiritual things as well. So when they found out, it was like, oh, like let's stay away from her. But it's just like, you know, you never know what someone is doing behind closed doors. And I um, remember that experience. Um, why Now that I am saved, I don't have anyone being jealous of me and trying to do anything like that that's in my circle because I was literally in that circle. I entertained those things. And so um, when I went through that, um, what happened was I had a family of Christians and I remember I was getting into a car accident every week. Every, I, I remember in one, um, one week I had about two car accidents, like three days apart. And I ended up in the emergency room uh, two days in a row in the same week. And me being spiritually aware, I sensed that someone had put something on me. And so out of, um, and I didn't know who did it, but out of fear, um, I had my mother, my grandmother, my uncle in the room with me in the emergency room. And when I said, 
someone's trying to do voodoo on me. Someone's trying to kill me. They just looked. And it was like as if I was on mute. Like they saw my mouth moving, but they didn't respond. And I said, someone is trying to kill me. Someone is putting voodoo on me and they didn't move. They didn't say anything. And I felt like it was a cry for help because I felt like if you are a Christian and you say Jesus has power, this is the perfect time to introduce me to this power. You feel me? Um, But with them being religious, it was just like, they just looked like what? Huh? But they didn't even say what, huh? They were on mute. And my father, um, who... He, I'm a lot like my natural father. He believes in Jesus now. Um, thankful to the Holy Spirit, he is coming closer to Christ. But he was into spiritual things as well, just like I was. Like he's very spiritual aware. He's been like that since he was a kid. So he dabbled into some stuff too. And so when he entered the room, I looked at my father and I said, Dad, someone, um, I think someone put voodoo on me. They're trying to kill me through car accident. And he said, why do you say that? What time was the car accident? What was this? What was that? He asked questions. He engaged. And so when he did it, I didn't respond. I just sat there and I just looked at him, how my family, they were still in the room. They looked at me and I just wanted to cry. Um, at that time, I was very prideful, very um, bold and defiant. And so I wasn't a big crier. Now I am. I cry all the time, listening to praise and worship music. <laughs> But at the time, I was so prideful and so stiff hearted. And I, um, I didn't cry, but I wanted to cry because my dad hurt me. At that time, I, I never really cried growing up. I wasn't a crying child. And during that, I didn't cry because of pride. Um, but I wanted to cry because he hurt me and he gave me a response and he engaged, even though he didn't know what to do. You know, he was finding things out. At least he responded to me. And so for a long time, even after that, I stayed in the spiritual things I was in because the time where I needed help the most, my grandmother, my mother, and my uncle, um, they didn't produce any power and they believed in Jesus. And they was always trying to shove Jesus down my throat. So, um, yeah, it's just, it, it prolonged my staying away from Jesus, you know, and so I think it's important what you said. Um, the church has to produce power. Like you have to, otherwise people are going to look at you like, what are you talking about? You know, like show me the evidence. You know, we are in a generation of show me the proof. Give me the receipts. I need to know the facts. You feel me? Yeah, for sure. Because if you can't produce, if you can, if the power is not producing your church, if the, let's take the church out of it. If the power is not producing your life, if yes. you can't see that power, they're going to go to other things. They're going to go to tarot cards. They're going to go to the spirit guides. They're going to go to the crystals. Like, it's, it's baffling to me. Like, people can trust crystals to heal them. But it's, you wonder why? Because Christians aren't going to people like, I heal you in the name of Jesus. If people if people just doing that, they would throw away the crystals. But, like, you know, the crystals like, oh, well, I guess you just got to put on, you know, some other medication. Which, trust me, I, 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 I believe medication. That's the field I'm in. But... There's something else when you put your hand on something, I heal you in the name of Jesus Christ. I free you in the name of Jesus Christ. But when we just tie our hands like, well, I guess this is a lie that God has given you. And then you're just going to live with that for the rest of your life. No, I believe at the name of Jesus, depression must bow. I believe at the name of Jesus, anxiety must bow. I believe in the name of Jesus that poverty must bow. We just have to have this boldness to say the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And maybe call me crazy. Maybe I'm the odd one, but I still believe that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, there is. And I, I love what you said about we have to be bold, right? 
because it's so funny. I have a very bold family. You know, my family is from Chicago. Like I told you, my grandparents, they come from Alabama. So they are some bold people. You know, they speak their mind. They say what they want to say. But um, in boldness, we definitely, what you said, we should be bold in Christ. But our lifestyle has to match up because my family, like I said, I grew up in a household where certain things were said and a certain speech was uh, normal. And so you also have them being Christian. And so I've learned in my salvation that your lifestyle has to add up because you can be as bold as you want to in Christ. But if you are still cursing people out, if you are still fighting people, you know, attacking people because they made you angry, if you're still, you know, um, if you're a blasphemer, if you're still lying, you know, and people see that, even though Jesus has power in his name, his name is above all names. If I go around the world cursing people out, fighting how I used to, you know, lying all the time, stealing, um, doing a lot of worldly things, and then I try to smack Jesus on top of my lifestyle, that's a crooked lifestyle, no one is going to believe in Jesus because it's like, oh, you're doing what I do. So I can say Jesus too. I can say in the name of Jesus and I can go out and sell drugs or do drugs or whatever, fornicate. You know, there's no accountability. It's, you have the Christians that are religious, right? And then you have the Christians who are worldly Christians. Hyper grace. They can do whatever you want. God's still going to forgive me. That hyper, hyper grace. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Wait, what did you call it? Hyper grace. Hyper grace. I never heard that. But I guess I, guess I think I get what you're saying. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I'm saved now, but I can do whatever I want because, you know, I'm saved. Like, I go sleep around. I can get drunk. I can do drugs, you know, because I'm saved. That's That's pretty much abusing the grace of God. Yes. And I feel like a lot of people are doing that, you know? Um, Yeah. A lot of people are doing that, especially in this generation. It's a lot of um, Jesus is going to forgive me, which he will, you know, he loves us. He wants to forgive us as many times as he can. He tells us to forgive people 70 times, seven times. And so he does the same thing for us a million times more, but you know, grace runs out, you know, there, the mercy seat is set in for a certain amount of time where mercy runs out, you know, when he does allow um, the end to come and people are going to reap what they sold, you know? And so even those that are saying that they're Christians, but they live a, a crooked lifestyle, it messes up those that have the potential to be saved, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's important. That is so good because before I, I I knew what Jesus did, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, if you know this, I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in the church, so I knew the revelation, I knew the knowledge of what Jesus did, but the whole revelation of what Jesus did did not happen to me until like a year ago. Wow, that's awesome. So after that happened, it's like, once you realize that the nails he took in his wrist and the nails that he took in his, in his feet and then the spirit he took on his side, just so you can be saved, not so you can be, not so you can go sin, so you can be saved. Yes. I think people got the got the game twisted. They thought, like, oh, Jesus died for me so I can sin. No, 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 no. He died for you so you can be saved. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That is very true. That is so funny. I love the way you put that. That's perfectly said. Yes, yeah. So once we realize that God. He, he's, he, he owns it all. He's on his throne. He's sending out his son to die for my sin and your sin. Yes. But we can't abuse that. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans. Like, yeah, where sin abounds, 
grace abounds even more, but do we continue sinning? He says, of course not, we don't continue sinning. And I think we just have to get to that part in our lives Like, you know what? Yes, I've been saved, but now I'm going to go through the sanctification process. So my next, my next question to you, Grace, is how do you carry out winning souls for the kingdom? Yeah, well, I feel like um, I have, I am a firm believer that lifestyle, like how you live your life is the, is the most impactful way that you could win a soul. Um, and I feel like I feel that way probably because of the life I used to live, like how ratchet and uh, like a wretch undone I used to be. Um, it's like, I feel like my life has took a complete turn in so many areas. My life is completely different now. And so who I show up as is different than who I used to be. And so even when I speak with people that knew me when I was growing up, they're like, wow, you've changed so much. You know, they're so astounded by how my transformation went. They're like bamboozled. And I'm like, yeah, I was bamboozled too. I'm right with you. Cause I had no, I didn't plan on believing in Jesus. You know, I wasn't chasing after him. He was chasing after me. I didn't expect to, you know, be in the church three times a week at the age of 25. You know, I planned on being in the club till I was about 35 or something. You know, I wanted to, you know, pop, lock and drop it. That's what I wanted to do. I used to love, I used to go to the <laughs> club. Um, you're so funny. I know you're on mute, but I see you laughing. <laughs> yes. I used to go to the club um, like three times a week, three times a week. I know I used to go Tuesday was hip-hop night at subterranean and wicker park uh reggae night was on sundays at baseline and uh uh i think um like r&b night was saturday night at the promontory and you know i used to go to tunnel all these different clubs like see i can name them like that and i used to go to them as if they were a job like i used to get paid for them and so it's like now instead of spending four days a week in the club I spend four days a week in the church, you know, Bible study, Sunday school, regular service, you know, helping the youth ministry, whatever I can do, you know, the prayer line, things like that. It's like God has really done something bigger than me, for sure. And it's crazy how I'm going to go like on a little rant, how like when we were in the world, we were so loud about our sin. Yes. Like we'll do everything. Hey, I'm here. Oh, I'm joking. Off. But now we get saved. We're so quiet about Jesus. We're like, you know, let me tell you about a man who saved us from sin. No, if you're gonna be out there, let's turn up, let's get lit. How about yeah. let's hey, let me tell you about my Jesus, the one who <laughs> saved me from hell, the one who saved me from my sin, the one who saved me from my generational curses, genera generational cycles. Let me tell you about my Jesus. But you know, when it comes to alcohol, hey, we get tequila, we get vodka, all this other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um we have some someone called the Holy Ghost, a uh, Holy Spirit. You know, you know, ghosts might scare people. Holy Spirit, um, if you want to, no, let's let's get loud, let's get bold, let's have power behind it because it's crazy how once we are saved, we become so timid. But yeah. it makes no sense because what did Jesus say in the Book of Acts? He's like, you stay in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit will come. He will come with power. He'll give you that dynamite power. And now we're just talking like this, like, you know, you, uh, you, you should come to church. And you, we, we're talking about people's souls are going to be in hell forever. I think since we live on earth, we don't have the concept of eternity. But eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever. But sometimes, like, you know, you, 
but we can we can be battle for a night of enjoyment in our eyes, but when people are like going to hell, we like you know what it, it, it's just hell. What do you mean it's just hell? <laughs> and I think sometimes, I think sometimes what happens is the world has make hell a, a fun place. Like, oh, I see you in hell, you know, fun as hell. And like, no, 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 no. If you read the Bible, hell is not fun. <laughs> so I think it's this time for us to be, we need to, no. start, we need to start getting loud about our Savior because we were once loud about our sin. Yes, and I feel like um, how you show up, like how you show up to work, how you show up in your household, how you show up on a daily basis, you know, consistency is key. I know that's a saying, it's not a, it's not a, a biblical principle, but it's definitely a message in the Bible of how consistent Jesus was. He never once was healing. And then the next moment he was, you know, um, unruly, you know, he stayed consistent, even in his spiritual authority, when he was angry and he turned over the tables or he rebuked Peter, he was consistent in his love and his compassion. And he was consistent in his authority, meaning he never once let a sin slide. You know, he never once turned a blind eye to someone that needed help. And I feel like, um, I feel like when you have um, the mind to soul win and you want to save souls, you have to be consistent in who you are. You cannot falter. You cannot waver. You know, uh, 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 what is the scripture? An unstable uh, man is unstable in all his ways. An uh, indecisive man. Yes. Thank you. His ways. Yeah. Yes. I love that scripture. Thank you so much. But yeah, it's like, I love that scripture so much because it's like, I see that. I know exactly how it is to be unstable in all of my ways. And so now I have complete stability because Jesus is my foundation. And so the best way to soul win is to make sure your life adds up to the words you say out your mouth. Like I can't preach the gospel to someone and I don't live the gospel. And I feel like the reason why soul winning is such a, a producer of fruit is because when people show up and they show you who they are in Christ, not who they are in themselves, transformation can't help but happen. People will get overwhelmed. I had a person overwhelmed by the spirit of love. And it wasn't my love, it was the Jesus love in me that I shared on the person. And she was like, wow, you're so loving and compassionate. I said, baby, I'm telling you, it ain't me, it's Jesus. She was like, wow, I wanna be loving like that. And I said, well, you can be, you know, and just talking to her, hearing other people's experience, you know, not just trying to preach to them all the time, sit back and listen, you know, because I've been through a lot of things so I could relate to a lot of people, you know, oh, you're dating someone that's selling drugs or oh, you're dating someone that's addicted to drugs. You're dating someone that's suicidal. I've dated people like that too. Or you're addicted to drugs yourself. You're addicted to pornography. When you aren't into um, acting as if you're righteous, but you really are living a righteous lifestyle and righteous does not have a way that it looks it doesn't sound politically correct. You're just being you. Righteous makes a person see that there's something I can separate from you and everyone else. They don't know it's righteous like me. I didn't know what righteousness was, but I knew I saw something that was different, you know? And I feel like um, when people see righteousness, even if they don't know what righteousness is, it makes a transformation. She saw righteousness in me from the love of God pouring out 
to um, her and another guy, you know, talking with me and just sharing with me his story of being molested and things like that. So winning comes from being for the people and not for yourself, not to look like, oh God, I'm doing a good job, right? No, soul winning is like, I'm standing in a gap for this person. You know, I'm hungry for this person. Your soul needs to be in the heavenly realm when you leave this earth. You need to be with the father because he loves you more than you could ever love yourself. I feel like it's it's just serving. If you are not into serving, you won't be into soul winning. I saw a post um, on Instagram that said, it was something like uh, Hillsong worship. It was like, oh, it was a meme. It was a Christian meme. And it was like, oh, people love Hillsong worship. And it's like a picture of their hands up and they're praising Jesus. And then it says, um, praise, praise and worship night is a Tuesday. And then um, evangelism night where they go out and they got pizza and it's like empty. It's like you have a million people at worship night or for the concert for Hillsong worship. But for the evangelism night at your church, everyone is, oh, they're busy. They have things to do. They have a family to take care of, things like that. Wow. I might get in trouble. <laughs> but I want to say this, how I feel it. Um, I think the reason why people are willing to go to worship night is because they, they don't know the true meaning of worship. Mm. They think worship is about them and then mm. not about Jesus. Wow. So when people go like, well, that worship song didn't make me feel better. It was never meant to make you feel better. Or like they didn't sing my my favorite worship song. First of all, none of those songs are meant for you. It's meant for Jesus. So I, I just think that worship have lost its interpretation because sometimes we go up like, Lord, make me feel better. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Your your job is to worship Jesus. <laughs> and when that the the aftermath or the 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 fruit of you worshiping Jesus is that that's what you enjoy. Well, when you go in with a selfish motive saying like, I'm going to worship Jesus, but I'm really going to worship myself. And I'm just going to lift my hands up because, you know, that's just what people do. And I see my right person doing my left. I'm just going to do it. I think worship has been lost in translation. I think I think people start thinking like, I'm going to worship Jesus so I can get something out of Jesus. No, you worship Jesus for who he is. Yeah. So that's, yeah that, and that's my rant. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I never thought of it like that. I never... You know, you've been in a church way longer than I have. So you've seen way more than I've seen for sure. Um, but I've never thought about that. I do know people do like to, you know, fake the funk and acts. They just go through the motions, you know, the church motions. You say, amen, you clap, you say, hallelujah, you leave, you go eat, you know? So it's like the the routine of it. But yeah, I never thought about, wow, that's deep kind of, you know, to say, I'm going to worship Jesus, but I'm really worshiping myself. Wow. I never about that yeah because what people are just looking for the next emotional high they're looking for the next goosebump they're looking for the next stimulation so they just go stuff just so they can feel something but sometimes you gotta worship when you don't feel anything yes like you're having the worst week in your life you still gotta worship jesus <laughs> that's so good that is so good and that is so true yeah because you're still alive to see the worst week in your life so jesus yeah. is deserving of your worship because you're still alive so it just seemed like people have it in their mind, like, I worship when I want to worship. No, mm-hmm. you worship every day. You worship every moment. Because the Bible says, without Jesus, without God, we won't have our being. So that's why we worship God. 
Not yeah. so from him is because what he has already done for us. And the biggest thing he did was he gave us he gave us his son to die on the cross. Right there, he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. Yeah, and I feel like that's that right there. I mean, that whole people that holds everyone accountable right there. You said uh, you don't worship him when you want to. You worship him when you're worst weak. And it's like, man, for you to say that, I know you live it and I live it too. So I, I completely instantly resonated with with you on that. And it's like, wow, like a lot of shallow living, you know? Um, yeah, sometimes, you know, not to veer back into that, but when you get into the spiritual realm, like I did, people like to go into the deep. They want to go into the deep of the depths of the wrong things. And so it's like, when I came over on this side, I wanted to go deep with Jesus. Like, let me see what all is to this Jesus that loves me this much. And I feel like that's important to not shallowly have a relationship, you know, because anything shallow has nothing that can be really produced for me. Even a shallow relationships, me used to, be with all different types of people all the time. You know, it was shallow. You know, you get together one night, you don't know each other, you don't see each other the next night, you get with someone else sometime later. And it's so shallow because there's no depth into it, you know? And I feel like that's like treating Jesus like a one night stand. That's kind of very uh, excruciating, I would say. <laughs> that's pretty heavy. Like, there's a pastor, um, I don't know, Pastor Michael Todd and, um, Oh, I love Mike Todd. Yeah. He, a, he had a sermon called Side Chick Savior. And I, I believe there's a lot of people who treat Jesus like their side chick. <laughs> like, that is so funny. I, show you, I only show you when it's just me by myself. I only call you when I need something from you. But no, no, you're not my main chick. I ain't going to post about Because that's what side chick, you don't post about the side chick. You don't let people know about the side chick. And I believe Jesus is in the same position. They don't, there's a lot of people who claim Jesus. They don't post about Jesus. They don't tell their friends about Jesus. So, that is so funny. You know what I mean? That's hilarious. That is so true, though. That's basically what you were saying. Yeah. Side chick. What did you call it? Side chick. Savior. I didn't call it Pastor Michael Todd. Called it side chick. That is so funny. I love that. That's hilarious. But yeah, that's very true. Very true. Yeah, and I feel like um, for people to win souls, I feel like another thing that's important about soul winning is um, I feel like you have to have a heart of service. If you don't have a heart to serve someone, if you are lacking patience, you know, you're not that patient of a person, you're not that considerate, you know, you don't have the fruits of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long suffering, meekness, self-control, patience, gentleness, goodness. Could you really say you could be a great evangelist? No, because like talking to the homeless people on the streets, they have a lot of things going on with them. You know, me spending time with different homeless people, getting to know their names, getting to know their circumstance. You have to have a lot of patience to deal with people that aren't like Jesus, like those that was trying to save me. They had to have a lot of patience because, baby, I was a mess. I was a terrible tyrant, terrible, crazy little girl um, <laughs> and would tell you you will lie in your face and curse you out. And that's just it. But the, I think about the people that were patient with me, even that didn't know me when they saw me on the street and they tried to talk to me about Jesus. And I was looking at them like, what? You need to go talk to somebody else about that. They had so much compassion on my soul. 
you know, they didn't look at me. They didn't say, oh, well, fine, go to hell then. You know, they didn't treat me like that. They saw that there was a need. And so seeing how people have treated me before I got saved, people I didn't even know, I understand how they had the strength to do that. It wasn't by their strength. It was by the strength of God. And I feel like if you are, have an issue with serving people, then, I mean, soul winning, you really have to go to God about it. You know, everyone is not called, everyone is called to be an evangelist, but everyone is not chosen to sit in that position of an evangelist, of an evangelist. You know, everyone should soul win, but everyone does not have the, the Jesus etiquette, you know, to really fulfill it. And I feel like you have to really have Holy Spirit conviction you got to make sure you don't say the wrong things to people. You have to make sure you move in love at all times because you are literally standing in the gap between someone's destination to hell or to heaven. And you want them to go to heaven. You don't want to steer anyone the wrong way. Um, so winning, I love, I could talk about this forever because this is my heart. This is, um, this is what God has put on me very strongly to do because of how much he saved me or what he saved me from. And so I feel like you can't be judgmental. You know, you have to really, you know, just really not be full of yourself. You really have to have the heart to serve and you have to have the discipline to live a life according to the word of God. Because um, there's been situations that um, I've witnessed, not firsthand, but, you know, through the grapevine, of someone evangelizing to someone, but they are still in fornication and they are single. And then they evangelize to a single woman and they say, oh, well, it's okay to do it a little bit, or it's okay for this, or it's okay for that. No, no, you're leading them. The Bible talks about um, not being a stumbling block to the babes of Christ. And we have to make sure we are not some, you have to dress appropriate. You know, if I dressed how I dressed back in 2017, 2016, 15, all through high school, even middle school, even middle school, I dressed a certain way because my people allowed me to, you know, I had the mind to, I want to dress like this. I want to look like a video girl. I want to look like, you know, the girls in plies video, the girls with the little yin yang twins, you know, like that was my mindset growing up in the 2000s. And my mom was like, no. And then she was like, okay, yeah. Like she let me do whatever I wanted to. And I cannot successfully win a soul to purification if I dress how I dress when I was in the club. You wouldn't even allow me to be on here, you know, if I dress a certain way. And I feel like that's important because it's not saying that Jesus won't accept you anyway, but it's saying once he accepts you and you are a soul that has been won, you are to be converted in a whole nother way. You're, you're literally living the life of Christ. And I feel like um, that's important. I don't want to talk too much, but yeah. No, 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 this is good. This is good. The, the words are turning in my head. So it's, it's crazy because people don't understand how kingdom works. Once mm -hmm. you get planted into the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom. It's not a democracy. You don't get to vote what you want to follow, what you don't want to follow. You can't vote out Jesus. That is so good. It's a kingdom. Like it's not a monarchy, it's a theocracy. Like God the Father appointed Jesus to lead everyone. You, if you don't like him, there's a place that's for you. And, and that's why I want to say this right now, because people are like, how can a loving God send people to hell? First I used to foremost, say that all the time. Come uh, on. Let me rebuttal real quick. First and foremost, God has not sent you to hell. Yes. It's our free will. 
he, you go to hell. And because God loves you so much, he saw your life and said, hey, you don't want to be with me while you're on this earth? Why in the world would you want to be with me for eternity? So here's the second option. And here's hell, because hell is a thing that's absent from God. So out of his love, he's like, you know what? I'm going to give you what you want. You don't want me? I'm going to give you a place that does not have me. And that's what hell is. It's absence of light. It's absence of love. It's absence of righteousness. That is what hell is. So since you're going through this, why? how can a loving God send people to hell? He didn't send anyone. He's like, I gave my son, which, by the way, people don't understand that he did not ever have to give us his son. He gave us his son to be the, the, the price that sin cost. And then after that, he's like, here's your choice. The same way he gave Adam and Eve a choice. Don't eat this fruit, but I don't want robots to worship me. I want humans with free will to worship me. So here's a choice. Yes. So that, that's how God doesn't send anyone to hell. Yeah. But it's our choice at the end of the day because he gave us the free will to choose or not to choose. Yeah. And I think I love what you said. I don't want to, I need to tweet that or type that in my notes, uh, make it a quote. You said, what did you say? Christianity is not a democracy. You don't pick and choose what you want to follow. Oh, that is a jewel. That's a jewel. I love that. I love that so much. Um, I'm going to remember it. I may have to actually repeat that when we get off the line, but yeah. I think that's so good, so good. Um, and I love what you, you said, um, God doesn't send people to hell, um, saying that Jesus won't send us to hell and trying to tell people that God is not a God of love. If he was, he wouldn't send us to hell. I had a rude awakening. I had such a, a rude awakening and it wasn't a bad awakening. It was um, of love. It was a, it was rude because I wasn't, you know, wanting it. But when I, when I got it, it was so compelling. It was so transformative. It was so intuitive. I, the discernment of Jesus in my life increased drastically and he shows us how much he don't want us to go to hell by how much forgiveness he gives us. Like he forgives us on a daily basis. You know, I tell people, cause um, I used to be really big on saying, um, if Jesus was so good, why does he wake the serial killer up every day? There's a, um, you know, just like he wake the pastor up every day, he wake up the serial killer. And I had to realize, you know, in my salvation that he wakes up the serial killer every day, just like the pastor, or just like, you know, those that help the homeless and feed the hungry, because he's giving that serial killer another chance to make another change, you know? And um, I had to realize how much like God wasn't against earth and wasn't against us humans, but how much he was for us. I had such a, you know, a very um, wrong way is a, just the simplest way I could put it, just a, a wrong way of looking at Jesus and looking at God. Um, you know, and I feel like a lot of people do, which is why a lot of people aren't saved. And I feel like they look at God a different way or a wrong way than who he really is. And God is really raising people up. He's raising an army to um, know him. People that aren't going to be afraid to say who Jesus is. People that actually have been through things that they can relate, you know, because sometimes people act like they've never been through anything. You know, in the church, you have people that act like they never cursed or they never did anything bad or they never, you know, had sex before marriage. But 
it's like a lot of things like people try to they get saved and then they get this holy identity that's not realistic and it's like bruh like you've been through you done worse than i did you just ain't sharing it you feel me but you could save so many souls and sharing your testimony and i feel like god like you were saying before we got on the revival i feel like and what you said about the book of acts God is really raising up an army of people that's going to defy the odds of the enemy. Like anything the enemy throw at us, we're going to swallow it up and regurgitate it back at him because we're going to be hungry for souls. And our lifestyle is going to make the word of God come to life. And I feel like that's what's happening. That is so good. And I just want to say this prophetically that God is not raising up an audience. He's raising up an army, as you said. Because some people wanted to just like be in a be the yes. warmers. Let's let's spectate. Hey, me and Grace or Grace and I, that's proper grammar. Grace and I, we ain't in it just to watch. <laughs> we're in it to spectate. We're ready, we're ready to fight for the kingdom of God. So yeah, I, I truly believe that a, 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 an army is rising up right now. And to yeah. go back to because you you said um you don't you don't believe that everyone has that calling to go out and share the gospel or be evangelist evangelist we all are called to evangelize we all are supposed to, i mean if you're saved why wouldn't you want to share about this awesome jesus um but everyone there's like an office so there's like the offices you know the five-fold ministry the three-fold um and then the gifts and the offices you know um i evangelize but really i'm a teacher so I'm in the office of a teacher. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I have the gift of prophecy. You may have the gift of prophecy, but I'm in the office of a teacher. But I love to evangelize. Like I feel like I really feel like evangelism. I should be an evangelist. But I feel like that's just the hunger and thirst after righteousness that I have in me. Um, but everyone is not chosen to be an evangelist. You know, um, like the the first evangelist was a woman, the woman at the well. She was in the office of an evangelist. She wasn't in the office of a teacher or apostle or prophet. She was in the office of an evangelist. Even other people that Jesus healed and saved, they evangelized, but they were not evangelists. You know, the disciples turned to apostles. They evangelized, but they were not just evangelists. They were apostles. And I feel like um, it makes more sense in the scripture. I know scripture, but I, I suck at saying what the book in the verse is. My goodness, I'll get better over the years. But <laughs> yeah, um, in the scripture, it talks about the different offices and how everyone is not called to the office of an apostle or a prophet, just the offices. But everyone is called to evangelize. If you are a Christian, you are called to evangelize. You may not be chosen to just be an evangelist. That, that is so good. So this next question, we, you've been hitting at it all conversation. So my third question is, how important is it to live a life worthy of your calling? Um, chapter four, verse one, what does it say? This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So from a scale of zero to 10, how important is it to live a life worthy of your calling? A thousand. Right. A thousand. Expound on it. Why is it so important? It's so important. Um, it's purpose. It's our purpose. You know, um, I know before I got saved, I was chasing purpose. You know, I was like, 
God, like I believed in God, but I didn't believe in Jesus. And so I would say God or universe, as I would say, which, you know, you already know that's not God, but I used to say universe. And then I would say God sometimes, because I thought they were one and the same. And I used to be like, what is my purpose? Like, I want to know what my purpose is. Why am I here on earth? What is the point of me being here? I know I wasn't created for no reason. What, why, why did you put me here? And I would be angry and I would speak to God just like that. And I, and um, unfortunately I used to say some curse words in it. Cause I used to curse a lot, but you know, he met me where I was at. Now I have full reverence for him. Um, but yeah, at the time I was so angry and I was so confused and I was chasing my purpose and wanting to know my identity in the world, you know, and I'm like, why did you make me? And I was, you know, into law of attraction, if you know about that and the secret, um, and things like that, you know, manifestations and all that different things. Manifestations is real on the kingdom side with Jesus Christ, but other manifestations where you're trying to manifest things that wouldn't without Jesus, it don't work. It just don't work. <laughs> um, and um, well, well, yeah. it works, but the same devil that gave you with his right hand is the same devil that's going to take it from you with his left hand. Yes, you're <laughs> right. It does work. It, there's no longevity in it, yeah. you know? And that's what I found out for me. It didn't work. It was just like, I went in that direction and I was chasing that direction and I felt like I was finding something. I was finding truth, but I found that I found a truth and not the truth. And um, it just didn't work for me. You know, I needed more and Jesus gave me more, but I felt like living your calling is your purpose. You know, um, I know in the book of Genesis where Adam and Eve is created, I found out the purpose, you know, Holy Spirit revealed to me through revelation what was man's purpose of being here on earth? He revealed to me um, the purpose of humans were first to be loved by God, second, to love God back, and third, to love all of God's creations. Because when he made Adam and Eve in one, he loved them first, which is why he, he created them. And their job was to love him back in obedience and reverence and all those things. And then the third, thing that they were created for and purpose was to love God's creations, which was the animals and take care of the earth and tool the ground, different things like that and reproduce in the earth, you know, and share love through your family. And so when God revealed that my purpose was just to be loved, I was like, wow. So I'm called to be loved. And he said, yeah. Um, but then with the fall of man, he revealed to me that the original purpose for man was to be loved by God and to love God back and all of his creations. But our purpose today, our purpose today is what you said in Acts to advance the kingdom. Because before Adam and Eve fell, they didn't have to advance the kingdom. They were kingdom. That kingdom was all around them. The Bible says that Adam um, and Eve, well, I know for sure Adam, he was in communication with God all the time. Um, and I believe Eve was as well. Um, but Eve didn't know as much as Adam, which is why she was hoodwinked. You know, there's a reason why Satan didn't go to Adam to try to get the fruit. There, there's a reason why he went to Eve and nothing happened when Eve ate the fruit. But as soon as Adam ate the fruit, everything fell. And once Adam fell, our purpose became to advance the kingdom through Cain and Abel, um, they had the duty to instill in their children 
what was righteous and what wasn't. And so I felt like Abel's calling was to be a worshiper. He worshiped God in his life. And I felt like it's very important to know what your calling is. Like my calling is to teach. I used to teach the demonic realm and I used to teach that to a lot of people, whoever I came across. Now I teach the heavenly realm. I teach the life of Jesus Christ and how to have the identity of Christ. That's what I was created to do. I was created to write. That's my calling. And so I'm a writer. And so um, when you find your purpose, you have comfort. When you find your purpose and operating your purpose with Jesus Christ, it is so worthy to live out your calling because when you don't, you feel like something's missing. Something is incomplete. Something is lacking. You can have a million dollars and be working in corporate America. But if you're called to be an artist because God has anointed you in that area, you're going to feel like something's missing. You're going to feel drowsy. You're going to feel fatigued, depressed anxiety. You're going to have all these things because you're not doing what God purposed you to do. Like David, he was a man of war. He was a chief musician. He was a psalmist. This man could fight. He could sing. He could dance. He could worship. Like what can David do? He had so many callings. Like he was anointed for so many. And then he was anointed to be king. Like what? And then you're a shepherd. Like, you know how to fight for sheep and you're not just an average shepherd. You're like a super amazing shepherd. You're fighting lions and bears and Goliath. You are, his calling was impeccable. And I feel like if he never walked out his calling, Jesus would have never came through his bloodline. Jesus came through the bloodline of David because he was a man after God's own heart and he was hungry about his calling. It's like, you know, you can be a jack of all trades and master of none. Well, it's like David was a master of all. He mastered everything that God put in him. And I feel like with us and especially our generation, you know, we're very young. And so the callings that God put on us, we get distracted easily because of, I mean, David didn't have, you know, social media. He wasn't looking at Bathsheba on Instagram, you know. Um, he wasn't looking at these people and he had so many wives and concubines. He had over like a hundred, 200 wives and concubines. And he didn't have that on Facebook. He couldn't, he didn't have tabs on them on Facebook. So it's like, we are living in a world and an atmosphere where we are easily distracted. And so even for myself, you know, I have to very, be much so intentional of how I live my life according to the calling that God put on my life because I can get easily distracted. Not by worldliness, because I'm not into worldliness, but being lazy, by being complacent, by being, you know, um, when you get saved and you find out Jesus is real, it's like, oh, Jesus is real. Now I can relax. You know, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's, you know, that old 90s song is like, I can give it all to him, cast your cares on him, you know? And it's like, he wants you to fight somewhat, you know, cast your cares on him, but do some work. You know, faith without works is dead. And so I feel like for our generation, it's so easy for us to live in shallow waters and not to dive deeper, not to walk on water like Peter. It's so easy for us to do. I'm sorry, I'm saying a lot of scriptures, but I'm not saying where they're coming from. Because I don't know like where in the Bible, but you know what I'm saying, you know, Peter walking on the water and him taking that leap of faith. He had the faith and then he did the work and it produced his calling. And I feel like it's a it's a thousand percent important because you feel empty without living your purpose.
That, that is so good. And what just popped in my head just now is like, Peter was the only one that walked out on, on the water. Yeah. And then the rest of them just stayed in the boat watching him walk on water. I, I know me. If I saw Peter walk on water, I'm like, hey, let me give it a try. He walked on water. Let me try water. So I wonder how many people will watch this video or listen to this conversation and say, hey, that what they're talking about is cool, but I'm still going to watch them evangelize. I'm going to watch them win souls for the kingdom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a normal thing. I mean, unfortunately, you have a lot of sayers and not enough doers. You know, the Bible talks about co-laborers you know, um, that we are to be co-laborers. He says to go out into the world. I don't know the scripture by hand. I, I, I paraphrase a lot, but he says, go out into the world and be the church. You know, he didn't say stay in the upper room for a million days and only pray and worship me together. No, he says, go out and let these people know who you are worshiping. Let them know who you are serving, who you are dedicated to, who has the power to heal sickness and diseases and torment from demons. Um, he never told the Christians or what they, what we, they weren't even called Christians. He never told the disciples, turn to apostles to stay in the building. And so I feel like anyone that does not have conviction for staying in the church and not going out to talk to people on the streets or even at your grocery store. Now, I'm not saying hound people because, you know, I wasn't saved and I couldn't stand the Bible thumping and God said and the Lord said, and hey, you should believe in Jesus. You know, like people that just try to shove Jesus down your throat. It's like, uh, I'm claustrophobic. You know, like that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm not saying do too much. I don't do too much. I, I like to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so um, anyone that don't have conviction for not spreading the gospel, you need to have more time with the Holy Spirit. You need to be in more meditation. You need to seek God with all you have because he's going to tell you, he's going to bring people to you. Once I got the understanding of evangelism and soul winning, he was bringing people to me in a multitude, like to the point where the, people was contacting me on Facebook, people I didn't even meet never known they were messaging me on facebook they was like yeah um sis the lord told me to contact you and i'm like i don't know you you know like god was bringing people to me but i was like okay holy spirit like wow you're really doing this thing and so he bring he opens up window of an opportunity to bless people with the gospel um some people just you know are lazy simply put that's just it <laughs> some people are just lazy I love how you say they're just lazy. It's true. They're, they're lazy. They they don't want to do anything. And it's, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a interesting day when you know the bema seat judgment, the judgment of grace, when Jesus is giving out his rewards. There's gonna be people that won't get any rewards, and they're like, man, that's that's sad day. I, I know for me and Grace, we're gonna be we're gonna be chilling in all rewards, but some people they won't have any rewards. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, saying that, like, everything we do will be trial by fire, and then whatever remains is your reward, and whatever is gone, that person who had nothing will just be a person who just escaped the fire. Wow. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, because then you have some people that are only evangelizing or only doing things for rewards in the church. You know, they love to 
be seen, as you said, holding their hands up because it's what they're supposed to do. You know, when God never said, you know, you have to worship me, he says he loves us and in him loving us, we are to worship him because yeah, he never said we have to worship him. He, um, he doesn't force our hands in the air. He doesn't force us to bow. He gives us the option. You know what you were saying about free will. And I feel like um, some people do things for reward. Some people don't care to worship Jesus, but they do it because they've been raised to, they've been told to, they're not in love with Jesus, but they are doing what they feel like they need to do just to get by, um, which is discouraging. You know, it's, 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 I mean, it's a way, it's a sad life to live, you know? It's like, if you are just doing, you're just going through the motions, you're like a robot, like you said, there's no life in that. There's no spontaneous combustion of love for Jesus. There's no over, how could he overwhelm you with his spirit if you're just going by works, you know? So I feel like some people do things only for rewards and I feel like we shouldn't. Um, but like you said, us, God is gonna see what fruit that we produce, you know, that he told us to do. We went out, and we did what he told us to do, like you making this awesome channel. It's like you are literally just adding fruit on your tree, like every video you make. And it's so amazing. And God is so blessed with it. I'm so blessed with it. Everyone that watches is so blessed because you're living out your calling, you know? And I feel like um, I feel like the calling is very important. I feel like people should really get into what purpose is. Um, in Christ, because we all have gifts. You know, it's not like, oh, wow, they're so cool. They can sing. I wish I could sing like that. Oh, they can dance. I wish I can dance like that. Oh, they can write poetry. I wish I can do that. Oh, he's good at giving interviews. He gives supernatural questions, you know, you're because you're great at the questions. It's like, oh, I wish I could do that. But it's like, no, what do you have inside of you? You know, use what you have. You don't have to be like anyone else. You don't have to look like anybody else to do what God has called you to do. Sometimes some, so many people feel discouraged because they feel like they don't have anything, you know? It was like, David, I love David. David, man, goodness, baby. If he was in this generation, I would have been one of the wives because I love me some David. I do, I'm in love, like, I love David. Um, but I love how he used what he had. He used the stones. He had three stones. He didn't use the armor that Saul put on him. Uh, for anyone that don't know the story, I feel like everyone knows the story. I'm just catching up to y'all. <laughs> but yeah, Saul tried to give him his armor to fight Goliath. And David said, thank you, but no, thank you. Like, that's not how I fight. I can't wear your armor. That's you. You, I can't use what you have. I have to use what I have. And I feel like um, some people feel like they don't have enough. They feel like they need to be more talented, more gifted, more anointed. No, you were born with it. He said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. He said, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, you know, and things like that. It's like, you're already set. Just use what you have. Everyone has gifts. Everyone has a calling. Um, you just have to find out what that calling is and produce tremendous power in it, according to the Holy Spirit. That is so good. And something you said um, makes me want to go to the next question. How does someone rely on the Holy Spirit and not on routine or methods? Because sometimes they just get used to the, the, the routine, the methods, and they, they stop relying on the Holy Spirit. 
So like say like oh, I have this method. I go out, talk about Jesus, and then they give their life to Jesus and they leave. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's like, no, talk about this. Press into their family a little bit more. Ask if they need healing, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But if they have the set routine and the set method, the Holy Spirit can't move, and that person may not give their life to Jesus. So how can someone rely? Or tell tell me how do how do you rely on the Holy Spirit and not on routines and methods? That's so good. Um... I love that question. That's a great question. You're so good at this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, routine and methods. I really, I feel like routine and methods produce religion, which is related to tradition, you know? Um, And Jesus came and broke all that up, like how he healed a man on the Sabbath. And they were like, why are you healing a man on the Sabbath? And he said, if your sheep fell into a hole, would you not pick the sheep up? So I feel like um, breaking the box that you put Jesus in because Jesus cannot be put in a box. We hear this a lot. You know, everybody say you can't put Jesus in a box. You can't put Jesus in a box, but really a lot of us put Jesus in a box. And I feel like routine and methods produce religion. Um, now there are methods that the Holy spirit use, you know, fasting and praying and being consistent in prayer, that's a routine. You know, you should be praying all the time. You should be worshiping. You should be studying the Bible, but you don't have to study the Bible three hours today and worship 10 hours the next day. I think it's very beneficial to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, um, you could set a routine. I have a routine. You asked me, what do I do? I have a routine for myself, how I spend time with God. But I am a very spontaneous and creative person. So when I try to set a routine, like, okay, Monday, I'm going to study for a couple hours and I'm going to pray this day and I'm going to worship this day. I'm going to make sure that when I go out into the world, you know, if I could speak to one person, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, like bring someone to me so I could speak to them or open up a door. Right. Yeah. That don't always work because. (laughs) When I try to pray like Monday, I'm trying to pray for three hours or study the next day, Tuesday for for 10 hours, whatever I'm doing. It's like, man, like, I don't really like routine, you know, like, because I live such a hippie lifestyle before, you know, all my friends used to call me flower child, free spirit, all those things. And so, and I'm very artistic. So artists that are writers or poets, we have a hard time sticking to a schedule you know we it's like we're very spontaneous we do things on a fly on a whimsical you know I used to say oh wherever the wind takes me you know I don't say that no more I say wherever Jesus leads me right but it's like hard to stick to a routine sometimes so I would say my routine and how I make sure I don't get into a routine really where it's super you know not relationship it's just you know, it's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm going in a circle, but you know, when you get into a relationship with a person or you're dating someone, if you just text them good morning, because you felt like, oh, I, this is what we did when we dated. So I'm just going to keep doing it now. You know, you get tired of saying good morning every time. It doesn't, you don't have to say good morning. It doesn't have, you don't have to say good night. You don't have to say, I love you every day. You know, that's routine. That would make you, that would make me sick of a person. I would get sick of a person if I felt like I have to tell you good morning. I have to say good night before I go to sleep. I have to say, I love you. It's like, and then if I don't say it, it's like, oh, why you ain't tell me good morning this morning? I felt like I would get tired of 
being in a routine with a person, if I felt like the only way we can be successful together is if I do this and that at the same exact time every day, that gets boring. And so I feel like Jesus doesn't expect us to be in a routine of prayer this day, study this day, fast this many days. He wants us to be in a routine of relationship. And that's mostly what I focus on, you know, instead of saying, I'm going to pray this many times this week or study this many times, like, I'm going to make sure I'm in consistency with how much time I spend with Jesus throughout the day, you know, so sometimes I, you know, I could speak in tongues for throughout the day. And sometimes I'm praying, sometimes I'm studying, but it's never like, um, organized, you know, it's never like routine. I don't know if I'm answering this question correctly. I'm sorry if I'm not, but it's not in perfection or pre- precision. It's however I'm led. Like, man, I am feeling excited right now. So I want to worship Jesus. I want to just tell Jesus how much I love him. Man, I'm feeling kind of sad right now. I'm feeling very discouraged. I just want to meditate. You know, I just want to close my eyes, meditate, cry, and, you know, just give him the day. Um, I'm feeling discouraged right now. I want to talk to him. Jesus, I'm feeling very discouraged. Like, I feel like I don't know what to do. You know, I feel like kind of lost in the situation. What should I do? You know, I talk to him how I talk to you. And I feel like treating Jesus like a relationship and not a routine or religion keeps me not being religious or being in the routine or like I have to live a certain way. You said when people evangelize and they go out and they're used to a routine and the Holy Spirit is saying dig deeper into their life, talk about their family, but they're so used to a routine. What I would say to that person is get out of yourself. Get out of yourself. Let yourself go. You're not saving the person. You know, it's Jesus that saves. You know, you are just a vessel that is being used. He's using you and you are a messenger. And so how you get out of routine is by giving your time and your mental space to Jesus. Because once you give your mental space, he'll take over the physical. Once you give your your heart space, he'll take over the physical. You know, he's not going to he's not going to push you aside and step in. He gives you an opportunity to give yourself over to him. That is so good. Man, you so wise for being so young. Um, because what I realized is- You are too. Thank you. So what I realized is when you rely on the Holy Spirit, is about the connection. And when you rely on your routines and methods, about is about a checklist. But what happens when you finish with the checklist? You don't talk to you don't talk to God the rest of the day. But when yeah. you rely on the connection, you talk like you say you talk to God every moment. You need mm-hmm. to talk to Jesus because you're about to cuss someone out. Holy Spirit, get, get, get patience, please, because this person is about to get cussed out. You about to go to 2017 Grace if they they don't know where I came from. But I'm just joking around. But sometimes you really need the Holy Spirit. Like I need you right now. And if you finish your checklist. There's no reason for you to even talk to the Holy Spirit. So is there anything else you want to add to this, this question? No, I feel like we covered it greatly. I, I love everything you said about it. And I feel like people will be helped if they heard everything we said. I feel like we mostly covered it. That's so good. So remember, it's about the connection and not the checklist. So yeah. my next question to you, Grace, is how does a person stay encouraged when on the pursuit of winning souls for the kingdom. Because sometimes you hear no after no. I don't want to hear about you, Jesus. I don't want to hear about your fairy tale book. I don't want to hear about your sky daddy. I don't want to hear about none of that. 
So how do you keep being encouraged when people keep saying no to you, when you just, when you just want to spread the gospel to people? Yeah, that is such a good question. Oh, man, that's a heavy question, actually. Um, how do you stay encouraged and not discouraged when people keep saying no? Honestly, for myself, how I stay enthusiastic about soul winning is because I, I, the main factor for me is my past. You know, so you being a PK, you you probably have been through some of the things I've been through, or you probably, you know, have not dabbled in all the things I've been through. But when you get into the church, you know, you get more complacent, you get more comfortable, you know. And so when people keep saying no, it's like, all right, you know, they don't want them. I'm not going to force feed it to him. You know, it's like, she don't want to hear about Jesus. I'm not going to shove Jesus, Jesus down her throat. These people don't want them. Then at least I got them, you know. And I feel like um, that's a very dangerous mindset to get into because you lose your savor. And, you know, the Bible says that you are the salt of the earth. Wherewith shall you not be salted? You know, that's the King James. But he's basically saying that you are the salt of the earth. You add flavor. You know, you being a Christian adds nourishment to the earth. And so if you do not have flavor in you, you cannot produce anything else. So that's why he says, should a candle, when a candle is lit, should it not be sat on a table? Does it get hid under a bushel? No, it gets hit. It gets placed on a candlestick. I kind of paraphrase that completely, but you get what I'm saying. You know, he's like saying you are the light of the world and you should be seen. You should not be hidden. And I feel like the more you stay in your word, really, you can't help but get encouraged and, you know, swayed to feel a conviction. I feel convicted if I'm, if I go a certain amount of time without talking about Jesus to somebody, you know, I talk to people that are Christians all the time, but to talk about Christianity to someone that's not a Christian, I feel like, wow, that's my perfect opportunity because you don't know who Christ is. Sometimes people get into these modes and these spaces where they only are with like-minded people. And I feel like that's dangerous because how could you learn, you know, more? I mean, of course, like Christians, we have different experiences and different lives that we live. So you can learn through other Christians because everyone doesn't have the same experiences, but you get to see the intellect and the mind of the unbeliever and where you can have empathy for them. You know, when you deal with people that aren't just saved, like Jesus, he spent most of his time with the murderers, with the, you know, at the time tax collectors were looked at as the devil. So he spent time with the murderers, they, with the tax collectors. They might still be the devil. The IRS don't do the game, so... <laughs> That is so funny. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. This is a joke. Don't come for me. Don't audit me. All right. It's a fun joke because that's true. You know, the IRS, that's very true. Um, but yeah, it's like he spent time with the whoremongers, you know, Mary Magdalene. He spent a lot of time with them. He spent more time with them than anyone else. He didn't spend a lot of time with the Sadducees and Pharisees because they felt like they knew enough. If, if Jesus said, he asked them, um, they asked him, they said, why do you sit and eat with the sinners? He says, what need 
does a is a physician to a whole person. A physician is needed for the sick. So basically the parable he was given was, I'm here for those that need me. You feel like you don't need me? That's why I'm not sitting with you. The moment you feel like you need me, the almighty great physician, then I'm going to come and be a part of your atmosphere. And it was the Sadducees and Pharisees that realized that Jesus may be the Messiah. He definitely was, but they didn't believe it. And once some of the um, Sadducees and Pharisees realized that he may be the Messiah, they realized like, okay, even though I know the word of God, I still need you because you are the Messiah. And I feel like, um, I feel like when people hang out too much with just Christians and they don't go out their way to be in spaces where there's not Christians, you know, because they feel like, oh, it's uncomfortable or new age, or uh, I, I don't want to be in that atmosphere like me. The Holy Spirit did not send me back to the club for at all, like at all. But it came a time where one of my friends, he makes music, he's a writer, and he like is a producer. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit led me to reach out to him and asked him, when was he doing a show? And I asked him, he said, oh, I'm doing a show. Show's coming up in two weeks. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I've been praying for you. And I didn't tell him I was led by the Holy Spirit to contact him because I feel like he'd be like, okay, you know, like, okay. But I was like, I'm praying for you and I pray success over you. And I pray, you know, I know you love God and I pray that you put God first. He was like, oh, most definitely, you know, but he's not super saved you know like we are super saved we, that's all we care about is Jesus but you know there's still some some other factors playing in that area and the Holy Spirit told me to go and I went and I looked nice and I wore heels right but I wasn't dancing how I used to dance in the club but I was around a whole lot of people there was uh different things there that Christians may not condone in it wasn't drugs but like drinking right I didn't do it and so it's funny when I was there People were gravitated to me. A girl was gravitated to me. Another girl was gravitated to me. People were gravitating to me and I didn't do anything. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't smoking. I was sitting there listening to the music and I was there because I was supposed to be there. I was told to go. And in the midst, I, with the girls and the women that were interested and they were like, oh, you look so cute. I love your hair and I love your outfit, this and that. And I wasn't dressed like them. I was dressed conservative, but nice. And I talked to them about, you know, I was like, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And it was looking like, what'd you say? And I said, do you believe in Jesus? And they're like, yeah, of course I believe in Jesus. I'm like, okay, that's what's up. Like, do you go to church? Like, uh, they were like, no, I have a church. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's what's up. Do you go to church every Sunday? They was like, no, I've been to church in like 10 years. I was like, okay, well, that's cool that you still have a church, you know? So like meeting a person where they're at. And by the end of the conversation with one of the ladies, she was funny. We laughed. She had full of personality, got to know her better and speak about God to her. Another lady, she was young. She was timid. She was with her boyfriend. And she was saying, I asked her about God. And she said that she wanted to get baptized. And I said, what's stopping you? And this is a setting that when we were talking, people that looked, that was around us, they would have never knew that we were talking about Jesus that whole time. They would have thought, we were talking about the music or guys or whatever, celebrities, whatever is popping right now in the world. But the whole time we was talking about Jesus and I was able to meet her where she was because sometimes you have to go in their atmosphere. They're not going to come to church like me. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to enter the church. 
You couldn't pay me a million dollars. I don't care. And it's like, wow, really? Yeah, really. Like that's how against and rebellious I was towards the Holy Spirit or the spirit of Jesus, all that. Like, no, I didn't believe in it. And so it took people meeting me where I was at outside or at open mics or different places I was at, you know, the store or on social media to get me to understand that these people really do believe in Jesus. Why do they believe in him so much? Like, what has he done for you in your life? And so now me being saved, I'm able to do the same thing. People are looking at me like, wow, you really like love this Jesus. What has he done for you in your life? And I'm able to share with them the miracles that have been done in my life. But sometimes you they're they not going to come to church. You need to go where they at. But be led by the Holy Spirit, because if you're not strong in that area, like me, like just because I, I lived that lifestyle, he didn't get me saved and say, OK, you go right back. No, because if I would have went right back, I would have got stuck in the worldliness. But he took me, um, it, he took me aside. He set me apart and gave me individual time with him. Then he said, hey, you know your friend so-and-so? Yeah, text him, encourage him, tell him you love him, tell him you're praying for him and see when his next show is. I'm like, okay. So I did it, went to a show and I was able to speak to people there. And I was able to speak to a security guard that was at the door, you know, and it's just, it's just, you know, it's, you really got to be led though. I would say in that area, more than I say anything else, be led by the Holy Spirit, because if you try to go out and evangelize in a club or a strip club or whatever you're trying to go do, and God did not send you there, you will fall into a pit that you was never meant to be in. And that's just real. Some people, you know, you can be bold in Christ and love Jesus and be very excited about Jesus, but be led by Jesus. I think it's the most important thing with soul winning. Um, be led by Jesus. Be very, very much led because he'll tell you the things to do. He'll give you the things to say. Um, I don't know. What was the question? I feel like I'm not even answering the question anymore. Question is, how do you stay encouraged when pursuit of winning? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just keep going. Because I, I can tie it all up together. <laughs> keep, keep going. Yeah, I'm just sharing my heart. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, how you stay encouraged? I I feel like when you're aware of the wickedness that's in the world and you have a relationship with Jesus, you can't turn a blind eye to it. When you lived a life not according to the things of God, you get encouraged to so win. Um, and even myself, you know, being in a church, I've been in a church, it's going on 18 and 19, 19 and 20, 20, 21. It's going on four years now. It'll be four years, June, 2022, that I've been saved. And, um, you know, being in the church and having so many responsibilities in the church, you know, you have Bible study and this week, and that way you, you have time in the church, like three times a week, sometimes even four, you know, um, you get in the mindset of this is my world. Like the church is your world. This is what you live. These are your people. This is who you see more than anybody else. You're with them more than you're with your actual family. This is your world, the church world. And um, for myself personally, because I know what God has called me to do and how he's called me for those that are not saved to be saved, I don't rip myself out of the church world but I put my mindset in a frame of seeing what is going on in the world. So um, I spend time 
following uh, YouTube channels like Vice. I follow Vice and they give documentaries like, oh, what's going on with the drug cartel, sex trafficking. Um, people are addicted to pills now, like to Dalafil and um, different uh, sexual hormone pills. People are, like are dabbling with medications on the black market with um, just, you know, drugs. And so when I watch those documentaries, it's like, wow, that's what's happening right now. You know, it puts me back like, okay, this is what people are going through. Even though I'm praying, worshiping, speaking in tongues, all that, right? That's nice. But it's all to get built up for the people out in the world. And so I do that. I mean, I make sure I talk to people that I don't know. I like doing that because when I speak to the homeless people in my community and I see them, I don't just look at them like how the world looks at them, you know, discard them, dis discredit them for where they at. I look at them as being just like me because how the world looks at the homeless people like, oh, they just need to get a job or this, or they may be drug addicts. That's how the enemy tries to get people to look at sinners. Like the Sadducees and Pharisees, they looked at the murderers, they looked at the whoremongers like, oh, they need to get saved. They need to be uh, purified. They need to put some animals on the altar, right? That's how they were looked at. But Jesus came and said, no, you're not worthless. You're very worthy. And you're so worthy. I'm going to use you more than I'm going to use them. And so I look at the homeless people just like looking at myself, like people that are still trying to figure it out, you know, like I was trying to figure out what is life about? What is the purpose? What is my purpose? What is this? What is that? What is this? What is that? They're doing the same thing. So I can meet them where they're at because at one point, I mean, I've been homeless. I have been homeless before, but um, I may not have been on the streets per se, living in a cardboard box. I did have homeless experiences for sure, for sure. Um, you know, couch surfing, things like that without having a home. And I feel like God puts us in spaces where we can relate to people. Cause I feel like if I never went through my homelessness experiences, I wouldn't be able to relate to their mindset. Like I know what the mindset is when you have to brush your teeth in McDonald's and do a bird bath in the sink at a restaurant and try to act like you're not living through a suitcase spending time in the car, God puts us through experiences so that we can relate to people. And I feel like that's how you stay encouraged. Make sure you're always relatable. Never look down on nobody and make sure you're aware of what's going on in the world. Don't feed your brain with the news say all the time, but watch documentaries. I mean, the last time I taught, uh, my church um, had asked me to teach on soul winning. And I taught on soul winning and I was talking to a group of complacent people and they were asking me to teach on that because they know how I feel about soul winning. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that's just like, you know, okay, winning souls, woohoo, yay. But I ta taught and I gave the sermon message, whatever you want to call it. And I gave them statistics too. I said, who knows the you know, percentage rate of suicide in America? Can anybody answer? And nobody could answer. And I said, who knows the you know, percentage rate of depression and anxiety or how many people have to go through therapy because of mental disorders through trauma in their childhood? Nobody can answer. And I gave them the facts. 
I said in 2015, this was the percentage of suicidal rate in Chicago. This was a suicidal rate in Illinois. And this was the suicidal rate in all of the U.S. They were like, wow, really? Like they couldn't believe it. I didn't get no responses the whole time I was up there teaching or talking to them. But as soon as I gave the statistic, they were like, what? Like they were like shocked. And I said, yeah, this is why it's important to soul win. I can stand up here and give you a message all day and saying God said, and the Lord said, and the Bible said, but that don't move you clearly because you're not invoked. You're not, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let me inspire you. Let me show you how many children are dying. Let me show you the ages that are dying from 40 to 30. Let me show you the divorce rate because people don't want to go to marriage counseling or they don't want to be held accountable or they want to hide their demons in their closet. Let me show you why it's important to sow in and have the fruits of the spirit while doing it. And sure enough, it made a transformation. Now, if the people went out and actually started getting geared up to soul winning, I don't know. God Only God knows. But they showed interest once I showed them the turmoil. You know, once I stopped giving them just the scriptures and showed them what is actually happening, it changed something in their minds, their hearts. They, they started sitting up in their seats. They sat up and they were intrigued. And so... Um, I feel like that's important to give the statistics. And I don't just, I didn't just tell them that I do it for myself. I keep myself engaged, not in worldliness, but in world, what people are going through in the world. So I can relate to them. Because if I'm like oblivious, because I'm so in Jesus, I'm so embedded in Jesus, I can't relate to the common man when I was once the common man. I can't successfully soul win. You know, there's people like how you said people that are so used to their routine. There's people that go out and soul win and they try to quote scripture like left and right. Romans chapter eight, verse 26 says, and this and that says, and, and the person's looking like, okay, like they are trying to get an understanding, but they have no understanding. You know, you can't speak in tongues to a person who's not a believer. So like me, if somebody tried to come and speak tongues to me, before I got saved, I would have been like, what is you, is you retarded? Is you slow, stupid, crazy, dumb? What's wrong with you? You know, like get away from me. And so now I know like you have to use wisdom. Some people just use what they think works, but you have to use wisdom by the Holy Spirit. But yeah, I do that. I look up documentaries. So I follow Vice. It's a YouTube channel and they show a lot of documentaries of what's going on. And so I watch those commonly i watch those a lot i watch a lot of religious persecution movies so like i follow um the church that's in china it's called um the 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 word in the flesh i think it's called it's like the almighty church of god or something and it's um a chinese youtube channel where they have persecution movies so you know in america we have christian movies and they're mostly like, you know, I love um, The War Room. You ever seen The War Room? I love that movie. Um, but in China, their persecution movies are very different. You watch it, you will have a hard time eating and digesting. And every time I watch one, I cry. And it's not because I'm full of emotion. It's because they go through the worst gruesome, disgusting things. And so it, it makes, it keeps me relevant. It keeps me like, okay, 
I can be a Christian comfortably in America for now. For now, I can comfortably be a Christian because the Bible says a time will come where it will be against the law to worship Jesus. Not for stealing, not for killing, but just for proclaiming the name of Jesus. So I can comfortably sit here with you doing this. People in China can't. And so when I watch their persecution Christian movies that is just like rated R, I'd be like, wow, wait. it keeps me compassionate and keeps me enthusiastic about soul winning. That is so good. And if they can be passionate in China, they can be passionate wherever, whatever country that they get persecuted for talking about Jesus. Yeah. If they can be passionate about it. Why can't we be passionate about it in America where it's like the norm to say you're a Christian? You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, a, it's just so crazy how what I realize is we take Christianity for granted. We take our religious freedom in America for granted. And then we don't know what we have until it's going to be taken away. Well, yes, very true. And that's very unfortunate. I, I mean, I feel like that's very sad. Um because the day is coming where it is going to be taken away and it's coming faster than a lot of people think. I mean, looking at the times, reading Matthew chapter 24, it shares when the disciple asks Jesus, what will be the sign of your return? What will be the signs of the end of the world? And we're living in all of Matthew chapter 24, not all of it, but the beginning, like you read half of that mug, that's what we in right now. (laughs) Like it's crazy. And I think that's why we should be encouraged to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because Jesus is coming back. There's no, there's people who don't believe, but Jesus is coming back. That is, as the sun will rise up tomorrow morning, is the same as much certainty we can have that Jesus will come back again. So we we have to have that in our mind. There's a saying that says, um, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. So you have to make sure that everything we do is for Jesus. Whatever we do, let us stay encouraged. If they say no, they can say a thousand no's and one yes, that one yes would get them to heaven. Yeah. Because when they say yes, it nullifies a thousand no's. Wow. Yeah. And that's my testimony the whole time. I love what you said. Stamp eternity on my eyeballs. That is, I love that. And I love that other thing. I said, I won't forget it. The democracy, um, would you say Christianity is not a democracy? You don't pick and choose what you want to follow. I love that. That's, you just spit in some good stuff. That's awesome. I love that. Well, the, the stamp, the, the turning of my eyeballs was not my saying, someone else said, oh. but. <laughs> I love that. That's really good. Yeah. And that puts you in a, a good perspective. That's a perspective we should be in. So is there anything you want to add? This conversation has been fired. Is there anything you want to add before we go to the next question? No, I think we covered it. I think that was awesome. Yeah. And then also, I think a person how a person can stay encouraged is look back to mm-hmm. people you talk to now they're living for Jesus. That's how you can stay encouraged. Like if my work or my effort helped this person, because it took me back to when you say like you were talking to that lady at the concert and they would have thought you were th- talking about anything else but jesus but now you saw the progression and maybe we don't know but maybe she got baptized we don't know but we're hoping yeah. that she got baptized you know definitely she did and she was super excited about she was very she seemed very passionate about it but you know i i don't know but yeah she seemed very like that's what she was like that was one of her goals and I was like, wow, you know, and to, you know, a religious person, it's like, oh, that's such a small thing. But no, that to her, it meant everything. Like 
because she was living a worldly life. So, yeah. And that's what I don't see. That's what I don't like about religion, like religious people. They will always like minimize the big things. Like yeah. some people are like, oh, salvation is not that big of a deal. What do you mean salvation is not that big of a deal? This is someone's eternity. No, you got to keep all the laws. There's 613 laws. and all. Man, you can miss me with that. Salvation is the main point. Salvation, because there's two points. There's salvation and then sanctification. So yes. once someone's saved, yes, let the, let's get them disciple. Let, the, let them go through discipleship and then sanctification. But it's so like, let's minimize the big things. No, it's a major thing that someone got saved. It's a major thing that someone got baptized. It's a major yeah. thing that someone starts praying in tongues. It's, it's yes. Thing, but we, we like to minimize the big things and we make big we make big things out of the, the minimal things. Yeah. And some religious people, too, like what you said is so vital. Um, and then you have the religious people that um, I don't want to say religious people. I don't like the way that sounds like religious practices, you know, because I don't want to seem like I'm just setting a group of people aside. But like you have religious practices where people get in the church and then they're able to speak in tongues and they're able to, you know, memorize the scripture, the book and the chapter and the verse. And then they feel like, oh, well, I know God, like I know Jesus, I know that scripture. Like you can't teach them nothing afterwards. It's like, you think you are full of impact with power because you can speak in tongues. Oh no, we are in trouble because that's where you get to the point where you have, you know, people that are putting on a show in the church and not going deeper, but still at those shallow ends. Yeah. What always keeps me humble, if you look in a, in a book of Luke, when Jesus was in the temple, Mary and Joseph lost him for three days, came back and then brought him back. If you look at, I think it's Luke chapter two, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. If the son of God can grow in wisdom, who am I to say that I know it all? Yeah. I know some scripture, just because I pray in tongues, just because I've been in the church since I was two. If Jesus, the son of God, had to grow in wisdom, by all means, Edward will still have to grow in wisdom. Don't ever yeah. get the game twisted. Don't, don't ever think that you know, because this is why I realized, Grace, once I thought I knew it all, God came and crushed it all up. I was like, no, nah, I want you to relearn. That's so true. That is so true. And it, and it happens all the time. Like every time you reach a new level in Christ, it's like, no, you're relearning. And that's why that scripture uh, where he says, Except you be as one of these babes, you should not enter the kingdom of heaven because you have to be humble. You know, kids are open, they're sponges. They are relearning and learning new things all over again, every day, all the time. And I feel like that's that's good. And he was a babe in that time. That's so cool. Yes. And then he was gone because he was taken away at 12 and then he doesn't come back to the scene for until he was 30. Yes. For 18 years, he was learning. Yeah. And we get mad if God doesn't teach us something in 18 minutes. Wow. What's really going on? It took Jesus. This is what the Bible says. It's not what it was saying. It's not what Grace is saying. It, this is what the Bible says. At 12, he was in the temple teaching. He yeah. knew something. Mm -hmm. and his mother and father took him and he learned for 18 years. Then he came back, came out on the scene. He got baptized, went through the desert. Then he did the Beatitudes. Blessed is the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of God. That happens because after 18 years of preparation, and I want to say this, I felt led to say this, many yeah. people, they want to go evangelize and tell like about Jesus, but they don't know about the Jesus they're telling about. They don't know yeah. about 
Jesus. They, they, they saw their friend do it. They saw it, a documentary about it. And I'm not saying those stuff are bad, but they should be supplemental. They should not be the main thing. The main thing is the Bible. You should know Jesus for yourself because it's hard to articulate about Jesus if you don't know about him. That's so true. And if you're not living a life according to his word. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because people will get so confused. Like, okay, you told me that, you know, you, you told me this Bible has all the, all the answers, but I see that you shouldn't have sex before you get married. Well, you out here having sex before you get married. You told me, oh, yeah, you shouldn't be filled with wine. But this Instagram story says you were drunk last night. And it, it, it can confuse a person who's newer in the faith. Yes. And to go back to the other question, that's why it's so important to live a life worthy of your calling. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So until people realize, like, our job is to make sure that we demonstrate the love of Jesus. Yeah. How do we demonstrate the love of Jesus? Through discipline. Yes, very true. Very true. And I feel like, um, mm, uh, I know you want I know you're holding back, Grace. Go there. <laughs> yeah, that is such a good point. You know, it's so funny because this whole conversation is so Holy Spirit. I talk about discipline all the time. So for you to say that, that's like, I talk about the fruits of the spirit a lot. And one of the main things I talk about is discipline because yeah, what you said is so good. Just discipline. You will get in trouble. You will find yourself in a lot of trouble if you do not have discipline in Christ because he was a discipliner. He was disciplined and then he made disciples, you know, and what are disciples? Disciplined ones. What I realize is people always praying for like a breakthrough. People praying like I need deliverance. Some people don't need deliverance. They just need discipline. That is so true, babe. Yes, that is. And I was one of them. I know when I uh, came, I had so many issues. As I said, I had a lot of issues and I just felt like there was no way out. You know, I just felt like there was no way out, but I had to have an understanding of the Holy Spirit, not just freeing me from eternal damnation, but that he was freeing me to get me on a track of that straight and narrow path. And the straight and narrow path is nothing but discipline. You know, the scripture says narrow is the way. No, no. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to Christ. And so I had to learn, like, what is a straight and narrow path? What is that? What is that? And it's just the path of discipline, simply put. Like, it ain't nothing else. You don't have to know how to cast out demons to live on that straight and narrow. You don't have to speak in tongues to live on that straight and narrow. You have to have discipline. You know, um, everyone that's speaking in tongues is not going to go to heaven. Everyone that can cast out a demon is not going to go to heaven. The Bible says, um, what book is it? I, I say it all the time, but Jesus says, he says, um, it's that, not the one that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Yes, thank you. He said, some will say, Lord, Lord, haven't we cast out demons in your name? Haven't we done this in your name? Haven't we done that? And he said, I, he, I, he said, I will say, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And it's like, wow, that is heavy. When I first read that, I didn't understand it because it's like, what does that mean? You know, like learning about Jesus, I was like, wow, God, what is that? What do you mean? Like if they cast out demon, how could a person cast out a demon in your name and not be of you? 
but it's like the scripture where he says, um, I know the hearts of all men and the hearts of all men is vanity. And so the man that loves me will lay down his life to carry his cross. And so that man, even though the hearts of all men are a vanity, the one that follows me and dies daily in the flesh, well, not in the physical realm, but like to their flesh, they pick up their cross. And so it's like, wow, that explains the antichrist. You know, when the antichrist comes back, he's going to be performing miracles. He's going to be doing all these miracle signs and wonders, but he will be someone that will have the ability to cast out demons and do things according, right? According like Jesus, but he won't be of Christ. I don't know how we got onto that with soul winning, but yeah. Well, the soul, what does soul mean? It means the mind, will, and emotion of a person. Okay. And I believe in order for you to be effectively a soul winner, you have to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined. Yeah. Through the discouragement, you have to make sure that your discipline outweighs the discouragement. Because if yes. your discipline outweighs the discouragement, then you will keep going. But if yeah. your discouragement outweighs the discipline, you'll be like, well, I'm over it. Yeah. there's nothing else i can do now but when you're disciplined enough to say you know what they said no i'm getting attacked let's go into spiritual warfare a little bit yes i'm getting attacked yes i don't want to pray yes i don't want to read the word i don't want to worship but since i'm disciplined enough since i taught myself even though i don't feel like it i'm still going to worship even though i don't feel like it i'm still going to pray even when i don't feel like it, i'm still going to read my word why because that discipline has been there and since i disciplined myself now second nature so instead of me going to gossip about somebody i'm going to pray for that person because it's, it's the discipline i've been taught instead of me trying to go complain on facebook or instagram i've taught to to go to my abba father and give him my request it's, it's about the discipline because once you discipline yourself it's second nature and now it's you know the thing called muscle memory now i've been doing this so long so now I used to cuss all the time, but now this my I have disciplined my tongue to say when I want to say oh mm, I'm gonna say oh bless the Lord you know, you know what I mean so it's it's about the discipline and that is what what is Saint uh, Timothy verse four seven verse chapter one verse seven says it says God did not give us a spirit of fear mm -hmm. but He's given us the, the spirit of power love and the sound mind but something says self discipline. Yes. self-discipline so we got to look at god has given us discipline but it's our job to mm -hmm. exercise the discipline that has been deposited into us yeah discipline is really important with soul winning i feel like if you like i said if you don't have the fruits of the spirit if you don't have meekness if you don't have gentleness goodness patience i mean patience is discipline if you don't have the patience to sit and really work with a person and deal with a person that's going through so much, you know, because some people be like, huh, okay, they just complain all day. I'm tired of listening to their, their problems. And then they leave and, you know, they, it's like, you have to be very patient. You have to be very intentional. Some people say, like, hey, I love Jesus. Let me so win. Yes, but be intentional. I feel like intentionality is another way that I really live my life because Jesus was intentional with everything he did. There was nothing he did just, just to do it. Everything he did, he did it with intention. He moved with intention. He said words with intention. He rebuked with intention. He casted out everything he did. Even when he broke the bread with um, Judas, 
He did it with intent. He, he was just intentional. His whole life, his every moment was like that. And I feel like, um, I feel like you have to be intentional. Some people, you know, I love those that are excited, you know, like, oh my God, I love Jesus. Let me go share about Jesus, but be intentional. Cause when you go and say, Hey, do you believe in Jesus? And they say, no. And they say, well, you should believe in Jesus. Why? Because he loves you in this. Well, why did he allow my mother to die in a car accident when I was five years old and I got put in a foster care system and this, and, and then you're like, I wasn't ready for that. You know, like, what do you do? You, it's, it's good, right? Because what you said is awesome, but you have to have that next step to say, even though you went through that, he saw you through it all and he was there with you every moment. Well, I don't feel like he was. I've been raped. I've been molested. I've been this. That is not you. That's what happened to you, but that is not who you are. The Bible says, and give them a scripture. You ain't got to say the book of the, you know, or you can say the book of the verse, but give them something that can deposit in their soul, something to edify them. Even if they don't get completely converted in a moment, the purpose of soul winning is not to convert. It's to share the gospel. Some people try to convert. I need you to be a Christian right now. We can't leave until you're a Christian. We're going to tarry all night. I'm not going to stop talking to you until you believe. It don't work like that, honey bun. It don't because it wasn't my story. It definitely wasn't. This was a brick wall, hard brick wall to break through. But could nobody do it but Jesus? And so no one could convert me. You know, it had to be Jesus. I had to have a very direct experience with him but it didn't start with him just coming straight to me you feel me it came with people saying things about him that I didn't believe and talking about him and I didn't believe in him and then he showed himself it's like apostle Paul apostle Paul was killing Christians you know crucifying Christians and condemning Christians and he hears these Christians which weren't Christians they were disciples and apostles but you know he hears them talking about this Jesus. So he's like, Jesus is not real. That's not real. This not real, yada, yada. And so he heard about Jesus. And then Jesus shows up and blinds him and says, Paul, why do you kill me? Basically not killing him, but the Christians, but killing him. And he said, who is this that I hear? And he says, it's me, Jesus. You know, and he said, isn't it hard to kick against the bricks or the pricks? I I'm trying my best to say the scriptures. I know them, but not that well. You feel me? But yeah, <laughs> that's another way I'm able to relate to. Like I mess up a scripture. I, I say a ghetto version of the scripture and they'd be like, oh, Jesus said that. I'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, wait, actually, no, he didn't. He ain't said that at all. He said something different, but I'm basically saying the same thing. That's how I evangelize in that way too. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> yes. So anything you want to answer that question? Uh, no, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, no, that's, that's just it. You know, you have to, you have to, you know, have discipline as you've stated. Yes, sir. All right. So the next question is, how can people navigate comparison? I used to ask the question, how can people prevent comparison? I believe the Holy Spirit talked to me saying like, there's no way you can prevent it because it's in human nature to compare. So mm. how can someone navigate comparison? Because, you know, the thought can happen in your head, 
So how do you not dwell on the thought? So how so how can people just navigate comparison? Give um, me an example of comparing, like comparing yourself to Jesus or comparing yourself to another Christian or comparing a sinner to. No. So say me, you, we were winning souls. But like I've talked to like five people, four people gave their life to Jesus. Someone's getting baptized right here, right now. And you just had five rejections. Like, I don't want to hear about your Jesus. I don't hear about your Jesus. So now it's human nature to compare myself like, oh, wow, this person having an amazing thing going because there people are saying, yes, Jesus is under him. But when I say something about Jesus, I get rejected. So how do you navigate that comparison that can come? <laughs> that's so funny. That's so good. Wow, that's such a good question. I love that. I love this. Um, you know, that's so funny because I've experienced both ends of the spectrum. Um, when I, I'll start with the spectrum of when I was not, you know, being received by others. Um, I never compared myself to anyone else because I knew like I was new to the church and I was new in the church and I was new, you know, just on the scene, like the whole scenery was new. Um, if it was a, a different scene and we talking about some other things, some other spirits, oh, I got you, you know, we could talk, but with the Jesus standpoint, um, I, I had the excitement, right? I had the zeal, but, um, when it got to a point of like where I could not operate in the level, then I, I knew like it wasn't my lane. So I would say, mm, that's good. You said, don't compare. You said the Holy spirit revealed to you that human nature, you can't help but compare. Um, I don't know if comparing is an emotional thing. Sometimes, you know, you can feel like you're not doing enough or you're not saying the right things. For myself, when I first got saved, um, you know, like the Bible says, he sent them out as two. So he sent Peter and, and John together or he sent James and John together. We were sent out as two. So when I would walk up and say, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Yada, yada, yada. And they say no. And then they get, and we talk and I'm able to talk to them because I, I was able to talk and for a long time. And then once it got to a point where I didn't know what to say, or I didn't have a scripture for that at the time, because I didn't know enough scripture to say for a, a person's condition. I had someone right next to me, which was my Peter or my John, right? And I would look at them or signal. And so we talked about signaling with each other before we like start talking to each other. So it's like, I'm like, oh, so if I don't know what to say, what do I do? It was like, oh, just signal or just, you know, give a glance or do a hand mo movement like this or, you know, something like that. And so I'm like, you know, look at the person. I was like, well, my sister, you know, sister so-and-so um, have experienced that, you know, knowing each other's testimony, like how we know each other's testimony. I could say, oh, well, you know, I know this guy named, Edward, he can talk to you about this situation. And so when I came in, I really wasn't focused on comparing because I knew I didn't know enough in the beginning, but I was so charged up to share the gospel like the woman at the well. Like I just, as soon as I got that Jesus was real and I got the foundation of the gospel, I wanted to share it. And, but I had the knowledge, you know, I was very aware. I wasn't unaware that I didn't know a lot of scripture. I only, I didn't know no scripture actually at that time. Like now I'm actually doing 
pretty proud. You know, my sister in Christ that I was out evangelizing with, she would hear me. She would be like, oh, look at you. You know, you know the scripture now. Don't know where it's at, but I know uh, some scriptures. But at the time, I didn't know a scripture, not a scripture. So I was just speaking on my experience. Like the woman at the well, she didn't say scriptures to the town. She just spoke on her experience and what she experienced at the well. And that's who I was. Once it got to a certain amount of weight, I transferred it over to my sister in Christ, who was more seasoned in, in a church way longer, you know, 10 years, 12 years. So she took over. And so I never compared myself to whoever I was evangelizing with. I knew that I had something to bring to the table. Um, and I knew that they had something to bring to the table. Whatever I couldn't feel, they could feel. And so if we talked to a person that was doing um you know, if my sister in Christ was a mechanic, she, you know, she could work on cars. I didn't know nothing about cars. So it's like, oh, she's a mechanic. You know, if they talk, if I'm talking to a person and we're evangelizing to a person that believes in chakras and, you know, uh, they're into other demonic things and they're looking at me like, oh, well, Grace can share with you about that experience. And I look at them and I say, yeah, um, how did you get into that? You know, I, I speak. And so we kind of tag team, you know, and that's kind of what happened in the Bible and the New Testament. They really were good at tag teaming. And they, um, you know, but there is the part in the Bible before they got to the maturity of tag teaming. They was like, um, Jesus, who's the greatest among us, right? And they were like comparing each other. They were like, oh, I'm going to be the best. No, I'm going to be the best. No, I'm going to be the best. And it's so funny because it's so like childish. But these are grown men in their 30s and 40s years old saying they're going to be the best out of the 12. And Jesus, you know, brings up the child. And he said, unless you're like one of these kids, you know, that is, no, he said the best among you, that's a whole nother scripture. Sorry. He said the best among you is the servant. So whoever serves the most and whoever loves to serve the other more, they are the greatest among you. And so they looked around each other and they were like, oh, or, you know, serving is how you become the greatest, not by casting out the most demons or knowing the most scriptures or, you know, just being whatever you think holiness is. He said, no, you know, the servant is the most highly esteemed, you know, the most persecuted, the one that is most ridiculed and the most rejected is the one that is looked at in the kingdom of God and God's eyes to be the highest regarded which is why he says the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So for me, put me out there, not immediately. They made sure I didn't have no other things going on uh, teaching wise. But once they realized like, okay, she gets that Jesus is real. She's not into all those other things. Um, they sent me out. And when they sent me out, I was good, but I didn't know a lot. And I had someone that did. And so it was like, I it was like the first should be last and the last should be first. Then it got to the point where I had elevated past everybody, past everybody. And not because of me. It's just because, you know, sometimes when you've been in a church atmosphere a long, for a long time and you don't, you know, check that religious spirit, you'll get religious. And it's just, I was spiritual. And then I just elevated spiritually and spiritually and spiritually. And I was the youngest in the church, you know, like I'm the youngest in the church. Um, with 50 year olds and 60 year olds and four year olds. So basically, um, I'm just basically saying not to compare, but God said that, you know, we can't help but compare. I would say when your mind is so focused on the soul, 
and you look at the person you're evangelizing to, like the soul you're talking to, you don't think about how effective you're being in the kingdom because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Now, I would say there was sometimes I was like, man, am I like my sister in Christ or brother in Christ, whoever I was with, I was like, man, they're not really responding to me greatly. Am I saying the right thing? Or am I being nice and compassionate? Like, what is, how's my delivery? They're like, your delivery is good. You're doing a great job. I was like, okay, just making sure. Cause it just, it just seemed like I'm not getting a breakthrough or nothing is like resonating with the people. And they were saying, no, you're doing good. You're still learning, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so even now, you know, in maturity, I know that there will be people that reject you because I was a rejecter of a lot of people. And then there will be people that accept you. Um, your, your intention can't be on the response of the people because it will discourage you. Your intention has to be on what God has to say through you to the people. That is, that is so good. I think people's attention should shift from saying like, I'm gonna save people mm-hmm. and shift to like, I'm going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Only Jesus can save. Our job is to spread, it's Jesus' job to save. Yes, yeah. And what, what I heard you, what I'm getting from what you just said is like, in order to navigate comparison, we must complement each other and not compare each other. Yes. Because you said two by two, like once you, if you, if you were weak in the area, you would tag team your partner and then y'all would compliment each other. But what's crazy yeah. about the generation we live in is all about competing and not about complimenting, comp- complimentary. Yeah. You know, the spirit of religion is a very sneaky spirit. It doesn't come in like a flood, like lust. Like, you know, think about the spirit of lust. That thing come in. That's the only spirit that the Holy Spirit says run. Every other spirit. He says, you know, pray or, you know, worship and seek my face. But with the spirit of lust, he say, run, you know, like Joseph, he ran out. He did not waste no time. He didn't fast. He didn't pray. He ran. And so the spirit of lust comes in like a flood, right? Well, you got to run. But the spirit of religion is very subtle. It's like the serpent. And it's kind of like the spirit he likes to operate in because he's, looked at as an angel of light. He doesn't come with horns and look like a devil. He looks like an angel of light. And so with a subtle appearance of this angelic being coming before you, you'll think it's a good spirit. No, it's the same with religion. It's subtle. It doesn't bombard. But, you know, you get a little piece and then you get another little piece and then you get another little piece. And over time, you become a religious person. And I feel like comparison is a part of that religious fold that needs to be broken down because the Sadducees and Pharisees, they tried to compare themselves to Jesus and they were super religious. It's like this is the Messiah. This is the one that created you. Like he formed you before you were in your mother's room and he's 33 and you're 65 and you are. Comparing you to him when he created you. And I feel like that's so, I feel like Jesus, he was so intentional. Even his age, being as young as he was, he he was looked at as rebellious because it's like back in the day, you know, the culture, respect your elders. Even today, respect your elders. Now you got a generation of kids um, that aren't respecting nobody, you know, but for us, nineties kids, eighties kids, respect your elders. And so for him to be 33 years old, rebuking 65 years old. Oh, trust and believe he was a problem. 
he was a problem. And I feel like he did that on purpose to show that your age doesn't matter. You know, you could be a wise 20 year old and you could be a foolish 80 year old. And that's why you can't compare yourself to no one else because no one has went through what you went through. And so you have to use what you have and not to compare. When I didn't know something, I was like, <laughs> you know, like, here you go, like pick that up. Because my mind when I first got saved was, I'm not looking like, oh yeah, let's let's see how good I can be. No, I didn't have a churchy mindset because I didn't come from the church. I came from the world. So when I entered the church, my frame mindset was spiritual. What spirit is in this person? What spirit are they battling? What are they dealing with? A lot of people don't look at it like that. A lot of people just look at, oh, I saved this many souls this week. Yeah, I can do that too. Yeah, I've said, but I don't even count how many souls I've saved. I just pray to God, Holy Spirit, please let me save a million souls before I transition back to where you are. Just let me say, I don't count them. I don't know how many souls I've saved. I'm definitely one a million yet. But it's like the intention is for people to know who he is because yeah, that's just, I, I feel like I don't want to say that, but I, I feel to say that it is foolish to try to compare because like she, my uh, sister in Christ and multiple people, when I've evangelized, when I first got saved, I didn't say that I couldn't really say much, but when we came across a person that dealt with, you know, the psychedelic or chakras and tarot cards, palm readers, they couldn't touch on that area. They've been in a church for 10 years. They don't know nothing about that. They don't, they never dealt with voodoo or witchcraft or spells and all that. So they really couldn't deal with the area. And sometimes I'm going to be honest. Some people would try. Some people would try to dabble in the lane that they don't know nothing about. And that's just like in the Bible when, you know, this, this disciples, and it's not funny. It's funny because I picture it being funny. But, you know, in the, in the New Testament, when the disciples tried to cast out a demon and the, no, the, not the disciples, it was um, Apostle Paul. Huh? The sons of Sceva? I don't know the name, but they were trying to cast out a demon and they said, Paul, we know, and Peter, we know or something, but who are you? And the demons jumped them. Is that the sons of, is that it? They said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? And then it beat, oh. them, it beat them up so bad that they ran home naked. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about some Paul, I know, Peter, I know. Wow, that's <laughs> terrible. Thank you. You're helping me. See, you edifying me. See, you're helping me. This is a tag team. We do this yeah. together. Yeah. That's how it is. And there's no pride. Like, imagine when I said, um, oh, yeah, when he said, Paul, I know, and Peter, I know, but who are you? And you said, you talking about the sons of Sceva? And I was like, no, not them, not them. Why? That's pride. Like, girl, yeah, it is them. You just don't know, you know? Or if you was like, oh, yeah, no, he said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, but anyway, what is that? Like, how am I going to learn if I'm trying to compare how much of Jesus I know to you, I know I spend a lot. If I, I feel like people get into comparison when they really don't understand how much they have Jesus. I know I have a, I have Jesus so much, like no one can take him away from me. I can take me away from him, but no one can take him away from me. He chased me down. So I know I spend a lot of personal time with Jesus. You clearly spend a lot of personal time with Jesus. 
I don't know how many hours a day you spend with Jesus. You don't know how many hours. I don't even know how many hours a day I spend with Jesus. I really don't. But I could tell you spend time with him just like I do. It's foolish and immature, really. It's an immature saint. It's a babe in the spirit mindset to try to compare like, oh, I said a scripture wrong, but you checked me on it. Or you you really checked me. You corrected me. But some people will look at it as a check or an offense. How is that offensive? They're trying to help you. You can't compare my life to yours. You can't. I can't compare your life to mine. It's childish. I'm trying to say it in a nice way, but that's it. That's just it. Yeah, it, is, it is childish because it's only children that will compare. Like yeah. about little kids. Oh, he had this. I didn't get it. Oh, she said that. I didn't get it. It's kids who compare. Yeah. But it's, like, it's when you grow up, you're like, you know what? My job is not to compare with you. My job is to, to compliment you. It's my job to help cultivate what God has already placed inside of you. Because I know if I cultivate what's inside of you, that will help me out because that will bring me up, you know, that will help me on your help me while I help you um, walk through your discipleship um, process. But people yeah. are so selfish and self-centered and it's like, what can I get out of this? How about you just forget about what you can get out of this and what can you get um, by building the kingdom of God? Yes, yes. And that's how you really meet brothers and sisters of Christ. You know, because we are, we go through a lot. Don't nobody go through nothing like the saints. The saints go through it all. We go through it, everything. We go through everything. Like everybody go through things, you know, everyone, um, everyone has the opportunity to go through cancer or experience cancer, whether you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus or you're not a Christian, right? But the difference, everyone, you know, there's some Christians that have been homeless, right? And some people that aren't Christians, they're atheists, they've been homeless, you know, someone has experienced, you know, a parental death, you know, or a death in the family that was close. So it's not like only Christians go through things, everybody go through things, but we get hit the hardest, because not only do we go through things, but we have an enemy on assignment to tear us down. And so what good does it do to edify the body of Christ if we're trying to compare each other? You're the head, I'm the arm, you know? And someone else is gonna be the leg and someone else is gonna be the other arm and the other leg. Like we are one body. And I feel like when the body breaks itself down, it deteriorates the bones and the marrow, you know? And when you deteriorate the bone and the marrow, you cannot successfully live your life in a healthy way. And so it's very sad that sometimes the body tries to break down the body, not knowing you're destroying yourself. You're killing your best friend. You're, you're killing your fighter, someone that will stand in the gap for you and intercede for you. You're offended because they know more than you do. You're prideful. That's the spirit of pride. That's the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of envy. There's so many spirits in that, but it's definitely not the spirit of maturity. And I feel like you get that. I mean, it's very sad and unfortunate and I hate to just experience it, but you get that in the church. You get it and, and you get it in the world, but it should be in the world. It shouldn't be in the church. It shouldn't touch nor be anywhere near the church because it is a disease that will fester. And once the body of Christ, once the body is, if the arm is infected with a disease, it can radiate to the different parts of the body. So that's why you have to make sure you have to take out those cancerous tumors, those cancerous cells 
that try to operate in the body of Christ because it may, it's just bad for us. It really is. It makes us look bad. Yeah, it does make us look bad. But the thing is, people who go to church are imperfect people. So that's why it's in the church. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, conviction and accountability and discipline, you know, being disciplined, being a disciple, being a disciplined one, being accountable, having holy conviction. Um, you know, David says something because I tell you, I love this man. He says something. He said, Holy Spirit cleanse me, purify me, um, heal me of secret faults. And when he, and that's the King James, that's like not the IV, that's like the difficult version. So it's like, wow, he said it in the King James, heal me of secret faults or deliver me of secret. He, that's like, okay, heal me of faults, fix my wrongs, but fix me of secret wrongs, wrongs that I don't even know, you know, or wrongs that I do know, but I can't even, I'm too prideful to say. Like, wow, that's just, yeah, and that's just a part of growing in Christ. And this has been so good. So are you ready for the last question? Yes, sir. <laughs> because this last question, because sometimes when you get saved for like 5, 10, 15 years, we just want to take a, a back seat. We just want to relax. Yeah. So my last question to you, Grace, is how can people prevent complacency? Hmm. That is so good, you know, how to prevent complacency. And I will say, even for myself, I get complacent sometimes. And so it's very easier said than done, you know? Um, sometimes I get complacent and I'm like, man, I don't wanna do anything. I don't wanna work. I don't wanna pray. I don't wanna study today. You know, I just wanna sit here with my ice cream and watch cartoons all day, just watch movies. Uh, with complacency, like even myself, I, can be very lazy. I can be super, extremely lazy and procrastinating, um, but I have to push myself to not be complacent. Um, it's really work. That's just what it is. I mean, I can't really, how do you not be complacent? You have to literally give yourself a mindset shift. When I get into my laziest, where I was like, okay, I want to call off of work. I want to use PTO. I want to just not do nothing. Um, when I get into those runs or it's like, man, I don't feel like praying. Uh, I, I, I always give me something to do. Like there's so many things you can do in Christ. I never really get complacent in Christ. Like as if I don't want to deal with Jesus, because I kind of always want to deal with Jesus. But sometimes, so I can get complacent and how Jesus want me to deal with him. I never get tired of dealing with Jesus, but I do get tired. Uh, I do sometimes not want to deal with Jesus, how he wants me to deal with him. So it's like, man, I don't feel like studying today. I'd rather worship. Right. But yeah, so it's like, I don't feel like studying today. Today, I'd rather worship. And Jesus is pulling me to study. And I'm like, no. I love you, Jesus. Then I play the worship music and I want to worship. I'm trying to like ease him to allow me to do what I want to do, but he's pulling me to study. Yeah. And I, it's, 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 hey, it comes and goes. It's like, I don't deal with that every day. Like I don't have an everyday challenge of not wanting to do what he would like me to do, but it comes. And I'd be like, oh, I don't really want to study because I know you're going to put me in the same book you've been having me in for like the last five weeks. 
I'm tired of this book that you keep putting me in, you know? And so it's really just, you know, surrendering. In order to get out of complacency, you have to surrender. That is, and, that is so good. Yeah. 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 And I'm still learning, you know, how not to be complacent because baby, I'll be like, eh, I don't really feel like doing that. Like when he tells me, because I am a writer, he tells me to write. And I'm like, I don't really have anything to say. Like, I don't, I got writer's block. What do I, what am I to say? What am I to do? I don't know. And so I was like, dang, I'd rather not write. And so I like try to avoid it or ignore it. And he's like, I need you to put the work in, you know, you have the faith that I'm going to produce out of your writing what is needed. Now put the pen to the paper in work, whether you got writer's block or not. And it is super difficult. I know, especially for artists, anyone as an artist can relate to this because when you have a creative block or a writer's block, you don't want to force art. You know, force art doesn't feel well. You like it when it just comes and it's like, oh, I feel that. Like, it's just like a light bulb goes off and you can feel it and you can flow. But when you have to work your art, it is hard because it's like when you're naturally gifted with a gift, you could just easily do it, you know? But when that gift is not in operation in that moment for some odd reason, you know, you, you're trying to paint and it's like, man, you've been painting on a roll for a month. And now this month, next month comes and it's like, I don't have anything to paint. So you just think to not paint, but the Holy Spirit is leading you. No paint, draw, write, share, create, you know, it's just like, wow, but I, I don't have it in me to do like you get complacent. It's hard, but you just have to surrender. I know I can be very stubborn when it comes to my art. When it comes to my writing and the Holy Spirit is like, this is not your art. <laughs> this is my art because all I do is he, he leads me to write about the Holy Spirit. He leads me in my poetry to write about the kingdom. It's not in a, you know, it's not like the Bible, but it's in a, in a way that people can relate, especially in this young age. And so I'm like, but I don't have anything to say. I don't know what topic to say. He's like, just do it. Just do it. You know, just do it. When you are empty, that's when I can operate in you. When you're full, I can't, there's no room for me to maneuver. And so you just really have to consistently be open to surrender when you are very complacent and say, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to push myself past my limitations and I'm going to do what I need to do to get out of complacency. It's work. That's it. It is not comfortable. It's easier said than done. It is not fun. And I'm living it now. Even this week, I've been having a hard time writing and Holy Spirit is like, just write. I'm like, it's excruciating painful. It's like excruciatingly painful when you have the natural ability to do something. And then it's like, it's like, it's taken away from you. You know, it's like knowing how to ride a bike and then you get in a car accident and then you have to learn how to walk, how to how to like jog again it's like I know how to do these things but it's like I can't do them it's work you got to put the work in you got to put the blood sweat and tears whole time man that was so good this conversation has been so fantastic um do you have any last encouragement and advice to anyone who's going to listen to this or watch this I don't I feel like we covered so much I don't know forgive me for how long this video is because it's been a video, but I enjoyed every moment of it. And I feel like other people will too.
I really feel like if they apply what has been taught, that they would benefit from it greatly. So if you had to leave the people listening to this or watching this with one word, what would that one word be? Hmm. Commitment. Commitment. Commit. Yeah, commitment. Be committed to Jesus, no matter what, no matter how high, no matter how low he takes you, whether you're living in a mansion and then he takes you to be homeless and live in your car. Trust me, I know what it's like to be moved all around. Commitment, be committed, be sold out to Jesus in a way that challenges yourself, that challenges you. If you're not being challenged in your faith with Jesus, there's a deeper level of commitment to go. That is so good. Grace, thank you for coming on um, the channel. Thank you for giving us practical ways to how to navigate winning souls for the kingdom. But before we end episode 34 of Saturday Conversation, we want to get to know you a little bit better through a game called This or That. So I'll give you two options. There's five sections. At the end, I'll share my guesses. If I get above three, it means I know you pretty well, even though I never met you. If I get below three, it means we need to hang out the next time we're in the same city. So whenever, yeah, so whenever you're ready, let me know. Uh, ready. All right. So I'll give you the two options and you say your answer right then and there. Okay. Okay. All right. So out of these two disciples, who would you pick, Peter or John? John. All right. On road trip or flying? Road trip. All right. Watch a movie or read a book? Watch a movie. Mountains or beach? Beach. All right. Sweet or salty? Ooh. Ah, that's a good one. Sweet or salty? Ah, sweet or salty? Sweet or salty? It's so sweet. Sweet. <laughs> sweet is the final answer. Yes. All right. So I got three out of five. Don't know what to do. Because I said if I get above three, I know you. If I get below three, we need to hang out. I got three. I picked chip and sweet. You said you picked which ones? John, road trip, and sweet. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, you know we made quite well. Yeah. Yes, you do. I thought you want to read a book, but you said no, watch movies. I thought, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, watch a movie. I love movies. Okay. Yeah. So once again, this is an honor to have you on my channel. So before we end, Grace, do you mind praying for us, whatever the spirit leads? And then also towards the end of your prayer, can you just um, activate people to go out and go um, win souls for the kingdom? Yeah, in my prayer, that's all I was going to pray about, too. So that's awesome that you said that. Yeah. And I, I want to thank you for having me. This is so awesome. This, what you're doing, this platform that Holy Spirit led you to do is so prestigious and is so needed and is so profound and it can help so many people. I feel like what you're doing, like so many people are going to see it. Um, and it's definitely going to allow transformations to happen in a lot of people's lives through the many people that you speak to. And just you by yourself alone is a walking epistle. I mean, you know the scripture and I love your passion for Jesus Christ. I love how devoted you are and consistent you've been every week, every Saturday, which is awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for your kind words. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. Um, for prayer. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you so much, Jesus. This has been such an awesome opportunity to come together with Brother Edward and just share our hearts on soul winning and, you know, kingdom mindsets and helping those that are complacent, holy God. God, we just pray that those that don't know the the pivotalness of soul winning, of how important it is, of how the body of Christ needs people to evangelize, to go out and soul win. We pray that the peoples in their mindsets shift to an openness to you, Holy God, that they realize that their life is not their own, but their life is full of the Holy Spirit. And that if they love you, they will love another brother or another sister that needs to hear the gospel, Jesus. Holy God, I pray for the minds of those that are complacent, that needs to come out of a complacency. Holy God, I ask that the mindset opens and broadens in a way that they do miracles like they've never seen before, that their devotion and commitment and dedication to you, Holy Spirit, expands beyond their wildest dreams, that they be so devoted and so committed and so full of hunger and thirst for righteousness, that they transform their communities in ways that they've never thought that they could, Holy God. I pray that you touch every soul that listens to this and that you allow them to know that they are loved, that they are seen, and that they are present, and that you care for them no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're facing or what difficulties the enemy is throwing at them, Holy God. I pray that you free them from any sort of bondage or anything that could try to keep them down and discouraged and away from your power and your might, God. I pray that your spirit reigns high and supreme over everybody's life in the name of Jesus. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great to pray for you real quick. Then we just end the episode, all right? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your daughter. We thank you for what you're doing in her life. We ask you, oh Lord, that you continue to be the lifter of her head in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the calling and the purpose and the mission you have placed in her. We ask you, oh Lord, that the whatever she put her mind to, whatever she put her hands to, let it flourish in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We ask you, Lord, I prophesy right now that she will go to the world preaching your gospel. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that the gospel will be preached through her lips and it will be responded to in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that she will heal she will heal people at the name of Jesus Christ, that demons will be cast out at the name of Jesus Christ through this vessel of God in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We ask you, Lord, that you continue to be a lifter of her head in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Lord, whatever she's going through, oh Lord, we ask you that your supernatural peace, the peace that surpasses all man's understanding will be deposited into her in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We give you the honor, glory, and thanksgiving, Jesus. We say, blessed be your beautiful name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Woo-hoo. So thank y'all for tuning in to episode 34 of Saturday Conversation. Grace, yes. where can people find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is boldly balanced. That is B-O-L-D-L-Y dots balanced. Um, and yeah, you guys can add me on Facebook too, Grace Davis. Um and yeah, you guys can email me as well if you guys would like to reach out and we can connect via email, gracedavis5 at hotmail.com. I will put, <laughs> I'll put Grace information in the description box below. The reason I'm laughing is like, <laughs> who still uses Hotmail? <laughs> I love Hotmail. 
Hotmail. I'm the only one who's still on Hotmail. Wait, shout out to you. Shout out to you. But <laughs> I just want to say special thank you to Grace. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this conversation with me. I'm grateful to meet you. I'm grateful to know you. And hopefully in the near future, we get to meet in person. I'm yes, grateful to call you a sister in Christ. And I'm so I'm grateful for what God has done in your life. I'm glad for what God is doing in your life. And I'm so expectant for what God is going to do in your life. And I'm here to tell you right now, Grace, that the best is yet to come in your life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So everyone, join the conversation in the comment section below. Tell us what part of the conversation stood out to you. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell. If you have any prayer requests, put in the comment section below. We love you. God bless you. And I'll see you next time. Peace.